0: have to go back down the hatch it's the lost rewatch podcast here on post show recaps talking about season two episode four everybody hates hugo uh which is such a misleading title because everybody loves hugo certainly everybody on down the hatch despite the fact that i uh, gave him an lvp point last week but that's neither here nor there hello i'm josh wiggler i'm joined here by mike bloom uh mike uh hope you're having a cluckety cluck day so far
1: i am josh i did what you said i got all the gnomes from rob's lawn Mm -hmm. i'm not sure what we should do with them now yeah uh we just gotta bomb them on
0: somebody else's lawn uh maybe i should be careful about talking about bombs considering how they were almost used in this episode
1: yeah and considering that apparently there's a chernobyl situation going on (laughs) in the yeah oh my god uh where's jared harris when you when you (laughs) need him Um, Yeah, luckily no dogs around except for Vincent to get tested on. Oh, that was
0: so triggering. Uh, Literally, uh, that episode of Chernobyl. But we're not here to talk about Chernobyl. We're here to talk about Lost. We're here to talk about the fourth episode of the second season of Lost. A rollicking time here with Everybody Hates Hugo where so many things happen. Um, It was a little sarcastic. I had a great time watching this episode, though. It was a super fun episode, but it's very light. This is a slight episode of Lost that we're talking about today, which may mean we're in for a really fun time at the podcast.
1: Yeah, I will say right off the top here that, you know, season two so far in Lost, I think we've had two really great episodes. One, not so great episode. This feels to me like the first okay sure. episode of yeah. lost season two and that's going to reflect much further down the line in this podcast in our ratings i think there are things that i enjoyed there are certain characters who i really did not enjoy in this episode but i feel like you know if we're really trying to starting to chart what lost season two is and how we emerged from you know the first three episodes which really were a pace setter this sort of put us on a on a medium path if you will.
0: Yeah, alright, so I, th- I think that that's right. I think that you're gonna find a lot of episodes that are, like, of this quality um, throughout Season 2 of Lost. Uh, and frankly, throughout Season 3 of Lost as well. Um, so, something we should be getting used to. Uh, this is the stuff that's just, like, kind of, like, further enhancing character when it's at its best, and in some cases, like, taking a few steps back. Uh, but it's fun to go through an episode like Everybody Hates Hugo, much like we did with Numbers, uh, talking about it from the perspective of where a character is going to wind up. So this is an episode where Hurley is going to have to make uh, what are, to him at the time, some very important leadership decisions. Um, How does that maybe inform some of what we know about Hurley later on down the line as he becomes more of a confident leader in his own right and certainly leaves the series um, in uh, a position of power. Uh, So I think that that'll be really fun to talk through. Of course, this is a spoiler-filled Lost Rewatch podcast. Uh, Just kind of spoiled a really big thing from the end of Lost. If you didn't already know, that but if you didn't already know that kind of feel like that's on you dude uh this is a podcast where we go through every single episode of lost in copious detail spoilerific detail we get through it uh with a with a synopsis with the helps of, of some sounds and also your feedback which you can send in to us down the hatch at post recaps dot com uh you can also hit us up on twitter at posha recaps at round howard is me at a mike bloom type is mike um, and at doctor who you wit is hurley although i don't think that that uh handle is claimed yet but i do now feel comfortable saying if you have not listened to the dj dom expose aid party uh that podcast is fair game for spoilers here today uh so maybe go listen to that before you listen to everybody hates hugo recap here on down the hatch we've got some feedback from the DJ Dom Exposé party,
1: are you sad that Hurley and Johnny weren't checking out DJ <laughs> Dom's records in uh. the record shop? Instead, they were perusing Suckshaft's catalog. Oh my god! Well, it's
0: it's not impossible that it's just a deleted scene, right? uh That like they spent a lot of time with the Doctor Who you wit and the DJ Dom of it all, and we just didn't get to see it.
1: Yeah, I would imagine so because I would think that. Johnny would have probably gotten Hurley on board to that. Who knows? Maybe Starla was the one to introduce him to DJ Dom. And so he has a special place in his heart for this wayward artist. Yeah, maybe on the ride over
0: to the Hold Steady at the Troubadour. Uh this is such a young what a young thing to do. To go see the Hold Steady at the Troubadour. To be fair, uh, to be young.
1: Well, apparently, uh, you know, we'll get into this how this the writing team for this were our typical layup guys of Edward Kitsis and Adam Horowitz, who usually pen the second to last episode of each season. Apparently the lead singer of The Hold Steady Is like a close friend of Edward Kitsis Oh cool So he decided like Hey you know what I'm gonna mention my friend's band In the episode of Major Television I'm I'm writing right now
0: Yeah well when you get the the chance I mean should I ever find myself in those boots I'll probably just slip in a a Mike Bloom reference Wherever I can (laughs) What's the go-to reference If I'm ever in a position of like storytelling power uh, Where I'm Let's let's say I'm at the helm of Lost 2 Mike Uh, What should I What should be the first thing to call
1: I think that Jin should catch an octopus one episode Mm -hmm. and he should call him Sir Squiddington. That'll be Sawyer's nickname for him
0: or there could be a whole like cold open that's like a conversation about so what kind of soup are you
1: yeah exactly just uh, of everyone sitting in the dharma van asking what soup are they as they bide their time with the dharma initiative 2.0 or whatever's going to be the sequelized version of that for sure
0: all right without further ado let's go forth into the jungle talking about everybody hates hugo uh as mike mentions it's uh it's co-written by edward kitsis and adam horowitz it originally airs october 12th 2005 of course it centers on hugo hurley reyes it is directed by Alan Taylor, uh which is so odd to me that Alan Taylor is the director of Everybody Hates Hugo. Are you aware of Alan Taylor's work at all, Mike? Absolutely not. Um Alan Taylor, a prolific uh director in the HBO space, uh, is the director of of Thor the Dark World, is the director of uh, Terminator Genesis, yeah. I, b- I believe, um, but is the director of many Game of Thrones episodes uh, yeah. and uh, several sopranos episodes as well, but uh, the penultimate of season one, for instance of Game of Thrones, uh, the penultimate of season seven of Game of Thrones, which I know is a little bit of a controversial episode, but so, some of these like big bombastic uh, episodes of Game of Thrones, and like these big character rich episodes of the show too. And here he is on Everybody Hates Hugo. It's just, it's just like, I mean, obviously, this is filmed a long time before uh, those, those episodes of television that we're talking about. It's just so it's just a funny uh, trivia note for me that the guy who uh, killed Redacted in the, the penultimate episode of season one of Game of Thrones I don't know why I'm protecting that spoiler because I feel like it's very pervasive in the culture, but I'm protecting it just in case.
1: Well, to Uh, be fair, there was a deleted scene where, you know, Charlie was so mad at Hurley that he lined him up to, you know, a big pillory style in front of everybody. And you could see the Hurley birds taking off in the distance. And it was just a really big moment for the show. And they said, you know what? This is not testing. Well, let's instead do this happy ending where everyone has a feast Hurley style. Yeah, it's the only episode of Lost he directs. It's the only That's episode so strange. of Lost and uh, his
0: His Game of Thrones uh, catalog, he, he was there for uh, the, the last two episodes of season one, um, four episodes of season two, and then he was gone from Game of Thrones until season seven, Beyond the Wall, episode six. Uh, but he's a prolific director, and I guess it makes sense that he's got a Lost credit. If you had told me, like, true or false, Alan Taylor directed an episode of Lost, I think I would say True. Um, but I certainly wouldn't have picked Everybody Hates Hugo, which is such a, a quiet uh, episode in so many ways. But anyway, that's some trivia for you uh,
1: to, to, to go with this episode of, of Lost. Uh, well, I'm very sad the Dark Elves did not make their way into the flashback <laughs> that were yeah. taking over Mr. Klux. Yeah,
0: not to mention that the, the king of the Dark Elves is uh, Doctor Who. Um, yeah, that's exactly uh, uh, And you And another uh, Damon Lindelof, future employee. <laughs> oh, indeed. That's the guy I told you about. All right. Uh, let's get a down the hatch series Bible entry uh, to, to kick things off here. Of course, these are never actually fully factually accurate. Um, we are building this out as we go. This comes our way from the Ben behind the curtain, the great Ben Martel. This is about Randy Nation's. Your friend and mine, Mike. Not Uh, my friend. Just want to establish that. Nobody's friends. I'm at war with the the, the nation of Randy Nations. (laughs) Yes. Uh, This is what Ben writes about Randy Nation. uh, Randy Nations. A model of middle management inefficiency, Randy Nations will happily suck up to anyone and ensure compliance with any company policy if he thinks there's a promotion in it for him randy spends his days claiming the work of others as his own and his brakes mocking the wheelchair bound john Locke and anyone else he sees as an easy mark randy believes he's in for a promotion any day but there's one thing he doesn't know his boss is secretly someone from his own past hugo reyes and hurley has randy exactly where he wants him dot 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 Mm. um all right a little bit of like an ominous note there Uh, i like
1: this though it makes rennie a a slightly more palatable character if you believe that now he's in this purgatorial employees employment state of like he constantly wants a promotion and so he's unfortunately uh pushing off the abuse onto poor john locke but he's always going to be denied the promotion that he seeks it's sisyphean in a way yeah uh wow that's a big word to be throwing at randy nations uh
0: <laughs> who is just like one of those easy characters to dump upon anytime he shows up and this is uh his second appearance in the show uh back a you know a full season ago at this point he's terrorizing Locke in walkabout and here he is showing up in a very different job terrorizing yet another one of our main characters here um so a, a fun connection as these connections are continued to build in the early going of Lost. uh, And it's just a great time to dunk on Randy Nations. We'll have a few opportunities to do so over the course of this episode.
1: Absolutely, but speaking of dunking, Josh Should we talk about <laughs> dunking steaks into mashed potatoes let's, And eating them with your big mitts? Let's do it, let's get into the summary We've got the assistance uh, of Eight Sounds
0: We already heard uh, the very beginning of this episode With uh, uh, with that, that sweet, sweet jam uh, No jam in sight as Hurley is just going to town On all of the food in the hatch Of course, uh, this is the food of his dreams This isn't necessarily the food of reality uh, As we see Hurley He's got the Apollo bar. Uh, That's legit. There's chips, many chips. That seems legit as well. But then he opens up a box and there's like a full like steak and mashed potato dinner. And he just jams a steak into the mashed potatoes. And I don't know if you're trying to like goad me into judging Hurley for dipping the steak into the mashed potatoes. But to me, for like a starving man on an island, if this had been real, uh, this feels like a pro move and a very relatable thing to do. Oh, yeah. Uh, This feels like we're at Ponderosa. Hurley's just been voted out and uh, the lobster pizza is taking too long so he's just hopping into the surf and turf.
1: Well that's exactly what I was about to say you and I have watched so much Survivor and so much of these people just grossly chowing down on the nutrition that they've been so deprived you know for more than a month that I really feel like I'm in no place to judge Hurley here it's been more than a month it's been more than a Survivor season for Hurley right and he's had fruit and he's had some fish but still you miss those creature comforts and I think it's not ironic that when we're hearing Slim Smith and Unique's My Conversation playing on the record player, the first words are mm and that's really what Hurley's internal monologue yeah. is throughout this entire dream.
0: Yeah. I, I can really relate to this. I am I am a yo yoer. We actually just podcasted about yo yoing on the Curb Your Enthusiasm podcast the other week with myself and Rob Sesternino and Akiva Winokur. Uh, and I am a, a yo yoer in weight. I'm like uh, always in the midst of a 20 pound swing, it feels like. I've been in a 20 pound swing for about two, maybe three years at this point. Uh, and every time i'm approaching like i'm about to pass the barrier and get close to my goal weight i'm trying to break past the zone i always find some sort of delicious something or other that fully breaks everything so the hurley binge in this episode uh was very relatable to me at this point in time uh where i've been i've been like at the at the height of a binge right now uh, and feeling awful about it um so when i saw hurley like dipping the steak into some potatoes it's was like yeah, Wiggler's done that before. Like, this is a very—I'm <laughs> not going to stand here and try and uh, try and say that I haven't done uh, many of the things that he's doing here, and like pounding so many different kinds of food in all one sitting. Uh, yeah, I've I've been here before, for a and it wasn't even my dreams. It was it was my nightmarish reality.
1: So if we're going along with the theming that, for these characters, the Hatch allows them to see a side of themselves that they don't necessarily like, does that yeah. reflect two podcasters talking mm-hmm. about the show as well? Yeah,
0: yeah, I think so. We're in hell, Mike. Uh, what does hell look like for us? Uh, hell looks like weeks of uh, average middling lost that we have to try and divine so much great meaning from. No, this is a joy. It's a pleasure to do this. This is heaven. We're in heaven. We're in heaven right now. Um, but Hurley is in his dreams, and his dreams are interrupted uh, When Jin shows up As we heard at the end of the intro clip uh, We will continue The remainder of that clip Right now with sound number one
1: Jin, you're here
0: I sure am Dude, you speak English No You're speaking Korean
1: Nah Nah <laughs> Everything's going to change. Mom? Everything's going to change.
0: Have a cluckety-cluck-cluck day, Hugo. Early. Early. <laughs> I love that I I remember watching uh, the commercial for this episode uh, The trailer for this episode at the end of 203 And seeing this line uh, Everything's going to change Being spoken by Jin And uh, leaping out of my seat And like everybody in the room All of us, we were just like Oh my god, Jin speaks English He
1: speaks Uh, English You know,
0: (laughs) exactly Uh, We don't even need the Mike Bloom uh, Korean translation Uh, it It was such a fun thing to see in in the hype up, but we, we had no idea what it meant, and of course it makes so much sense that it's a it's a dream sequence. Um, uh, and to to lean on Daniel Day Kim, who is you know he speaks English. This is his you know his his first language. Uh, so really really fun to to see. Um, fun to see the guy in the in the Mr. Cluck suit who is blinking along with every time the the, the hatch beep is going on. Um, lots of great Easter eggs in in this sequence. The milk carton with Walt's picture on it that Hurley is drinking from. Mm. Um, just like a weird surreal fun way to start and now that we're already kind of established in the hatch mike um now that we've spent three episodes really exploring this terrain and integrating it into the lost language i think that we have uh we have room to be playful in this space now um so i love that they start off the episode in that playful way that you know veers from whimsical to creepy and and you know has this sort of tonal swing
1: Well, let's talk about the meaning in these dreams, because we haven't seen a trippy dream since the whole Teresa falls up the stairs, Teresa falls down the stairs of it all back in Deus Ex Machina. And so the guy in the Mr. Clucks costume, you might not recognize him at first glance, but that is the same guy who was the clerk of the convenience store that sold Hurley the ticket. We'll see that at the end of the episode when he's the one who fingers Hurley in the van why do you think? Uh, <laughs> Maybe I should not have used that language. Okay, carry on, carry on. Continue. But, but what, what do you make of the gin use here? Is it just to like get this wow. big moment of Hurley speaking Korean, or do you think it has any significance beyond that? Listen, people will do anything to get some of that lottery money. I'm just saying.
0: Uh, yes, I guess, I guess.
1: Uh, uh. Maybe that's why Johnny was so mad. <laughs> Oh, I'm a child. You did I'm... what in my van? <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> Listen, you meant it so innocently. I shouldn't have turned it into what it became, but I feel like I probably had the reaction
1: that a lot of people did. <laughs> Now it makes sense why Uh, Hurley's dreaming about him. uh, Days gone by. uh, Of salad uh, days of (laughs) yore. All right. Ooh, Ooh, I think I'm going to points to this guy now for what he was, for the- <laughs> he's.
0: so memorable. <laughs> Have a cluckety cluck cluck day. Oh, go cluck yourself. That's why. That's yep. why he's thinking of him. Uh, he was wearing the costume and <laughs> they were in the band.
1: I'm sorry <laughs> uh, well, that, brings, that brings a lot of complications To when Hurley re-bought <laughs> I think he was looking for yeah. some sort of chasing that high As it was Oh uh, yeah, he's always, you know well, to to have
0: loved and lost i guess <laughs> um yeah i think it's just if we're trying to pivot back to having some <laughs> sort of ser- <laughs> seriousish conversation uh yeah i think it's just to be creepy and they're just you know they're stitching together the moments uh and i think it's like hey daniel day kim speaks english let's let's have him in a scene where he can speak english uh, and it makes sense so uh, and I think it is unsettling to see a character That you've come to know pretty well uh Behaving in a way that is completely unlike what you're used to Which is why that boon dream Teresa falls up the stairs Teresa falls down the stairs is so creepy Because he's covered in blood And he's like, m- mm. you know, mumbling gibberish uh, And here, uh Jin speaking English is unsettling Because you know that Jin does not speak English um, So it's just, it, it's all like, you know very like wobbly and c- catches you off balance. Uh, and you know, that's very on brand with what has just happened to you and me being <laughs> caught off balance.
1: Yeah, everything is going to change. Add to this podcast now that I've created this unfortunate, unintentional n- narrative about poor <laughs> Muhammad, <laughs> the guy in the chicken costume.
0: <laughs> oh my god!
1: Uh, anyway, so Hurley's gonna wake up, he's
0: asleep at the switch, he's he's asleep at the switch, he's uh, he's just resting his eyes. Kate's waking him up um she says don't forget the numbers they're on the post he's like oh yeah don't worry
1: i know the numbers no except kate would be like no it's 32 42 remember that hurley it's not 32 you messed that up last time
0: yeah it's like don't don't worry about that that was intentional uh and uh so kate's taking the next shift Locke's going back to the beach uh, she's like oh i heard about your job too uh at least we have jobs again right is, hurley's not happy about it. hooray for us he says
1: what what so we find out what Locke's job is what do you think kate's job is on the chore wheel here uh shower tester (laughs) you must test all the showers in the facility to make sure that people can use them later on
0: kate's on utilities it seems um yeah i don't really know it doesn't seem like kate has a defined job um jack's job is what just like general leader uh, Saeed is a uh, bash titanium uh, <laughs> stick against yeah, co- concrete Poke a wall for a little while <laughs> Yeah, bash the wall Hurley's is in charge of the pantry Locke is in charge of convincing people to push the button and also, also
1: checking guns
0: <laughs> Yikes, you know, very alarming If you thought the box of 400 knives was terrifying uh, Just catch a glimpse of Johnny Locke in this episode But what's Kate's job? I'm not
1: sure well, like, I guess they did say that it was going to be two person shifts, right? That Locke was working out. So I guess Kate was assisting Hurley at this point, though maybe she's doing a bit of exploration on her own as yeah, well. Yeah, but
0: is like, I guess, I mean, everybody's got to push the button. Everybody's got to take the shift. But like, what is her, what is her job in terms of, uh, what's, what's like her, her specialty? Is she just like, is she the runner? Right. Like, we know she loves to run. We know she's a talented runner she running back and forth from the beach to the hatch to the beach to the hatch and back and forth over and over again
1: oh i like this so like obviously these people have to show an alibi right that's why charlie gets so miffed at hurley later on so maybe kate's job is to run back and forth to try to make it seem like she's not in the hatch that Mm. she's she's like oh i'm just kate you know helping everyone move back to the beach starting these bonfires and then quickly run back to the hatch to push the button Um, I like that. I think that that's good. I think also like
0: it's we don't have uh, any real traditional ways of communicating easily between the people at the hatch and the people at the beach. But Kate is so fast that it's like having, you know, a dial up modem in the 90s. So like it's it's a little bit more of an advancement than what the the hatch technology is used Mm, to.
1: Even Yeah. We're using the Kate phone essentially to communicate messages back and forth. Um,
0: All right. So meanwhile, at Laws, uh, we're basically at the final appearance of the of the prison until the other 48 days uh, as Sawyer is in there. And here's Jin, who very much does not speak English now. Um, Everybody's thirsty. Uh, Everybody has like conflicting ideas of how to get out of here. Jin wants to do the human pyramid again. Sawyer does not. Michael's gonna start shouting again. Sawyer doesn't want him to. Uh Michael gets very angry at Sawyer and says, Every minute that we spend down here is a minute my boy is out there.
1: Yeah. It's I mean, I, I always love the my boy of it all. And it seems like Michael, I guess true to what we saw in the beginning of a drift, is not deterred whatsoever from his job. And remember at this point they still think that they're the others so i think right. they still believe that they're the enemy maybe even more so with what ana lucia was able to pull with the coming out of coming it coming out
0: yeah which yeah. when
1: i saw it on the previously on thanks to you josh now i can't unhear it. Un- it you can't unhear it you can't unhear it you can't unhear it um speaking of
0: hearing let's let's listen in on this scene as uh we're going to we're going to bring ana lucia back into the mix we're going to start with Sawyer, cuz Sawyer and jin have a really funny interaction and we're going to close the scene out with a funny Sawyer uh line as well. So let's listen in second sound of the episode. Okay, 상처가 아주 do 보여. Ah, yeah. Why don't you pee on it?
1: Grab the rope. Please
0: don't do it. Climb the rope or I shoot your friend. Next. Don't do it. She's bluffing. Guns only got one bullet. She ain't gonna waste it.
1: Ow! Fuck pick! Oh! God! Grab the rope.
0: My lips gonna have to come down here and get it. bitch. <laughs> so, so I left the, the the swirling lost logo noise in there because it's so strange for that to be the very next thing that happens after
1: well and especially because he says bitch like post there's no visuals right it's just cut to black Bitch into (laughs) lost it's crazy uh sawyer rocking out some
0: some uh classic sawyerisms in this scene and also getting Uh, hit by a rock as well he he gets hit by a rock uh he uh he calls he comes up with two nicknames that i caught for Anna lucia rambina so I'd give, like, a probably, like, a zero out of ten.
1: Like, Rambo was right there, Slayer. I don't know. You strayed maybe too far from the Rambo of it all. I, I did not d- distinctly connect Rambina back to Rambo. It
0: would have been cool if he'd, like, gone for, like, like an actual, like, uh, female action hero icon. G.I. Like, Jane. Yeah, or, like, Sarah Connor up there, you know, something like that. And then you even get, like, a little bit of a time travel illusion. Mm. Uh, just to, Just to workshop it. But Rambina... I'm out on Rambina. I think Rambina is a zero out of ten. Uh, hot Lips ten out of ten. Well, what
1: what is that Hot Lips? It's a mash character, apparently. Oh, really? I didn't know. Didn't yeah, know. I mean, it could also be used very salaciously. And I, I, I mean, they want us to laugh at Sawyer getting hurt at this point, right? Because yes. like yes. he's kind of acting like a jerk here. I love the way Anna Lucia treats Sawyer in this episode because I mean, he gets hit in the head with a rock. She has absolutely no nonsense for what he's able to provide it's like kate but taken to the extreme we're like right. she wants no guff and that's true to who Anna lucia is and no matter how much sawyer is grousing about things i just love Andalusia lucia and giving it back to him in spades and rocks
0: yeah yeah he
1: gets he gets what
0: he deserves in this episode for sure <laughs> i mean you know he's just acting like a total jerk to basically everybody i mean granted he is uh he's been shot in the shoulder uh, and he's probably got a uh, early onset of the fever at this point. But,
1: yeah, I mean, that, that sucks. That do you, does, do that you sucks. think Sawyer knew about Jin peeing on Hurley's foot? Or do you think that <laughs> in two independent occasions gin has been propositioned twice to pee on wounds i think that it's it's it feels
0: likelier that sawyer heard the the hot gossip from somebody else's hot lips about uh gin nearly peeing on hurley um but it's also possible that sawyer just wanted uh Jin to pee on him <laughs>
1: yeah Jin's like man if yeah. i'd stayed in la like i don't know about these americans yeah i have conversations they... with them and it gets to a point where they just ask me to pee on them what
0: are they doing all right uh speaking of los angeles we return from the Lost logo uh in the flashback um we're back at the moment where hurley learns that he has won the lottery. Uh, so we're going to continue. That's the flashback, obviously, mm-hmm. is right. Like we're it's the it's basically it's the immediate aftermath of Hurley finding out that he has won the jackpot. Um, and it starts very immediately where, you know, we had we had left him with him passing out. Um, and now, like, he gets woken up by Carmen Reyes, who is coming in and just like beating the snot out of Hurley, which is super funny.
1: Yeah, Carmen Reyes, real, like, example of tough love. And look, it can't be easy with the household that Hurley grew up in. But really, she's given him a lot of hard truths here to the point where she, like, at, flat out tells him, hey, you're a terrible liar. Uh, she has a really sassy moment where Hurley says that he exercises and Carmen says that falling down is not exercise. Yeah, brutal, brutal, brutal.
0: She says, uh, you
1: eat basura, uh, you eat trash. Yeah, which I mean, way to insult his place of employment, Mrs. Reyes. Like Hurley, I'm grateful he'll now be able to find uh not only other work but no work in general, but like You know, if he's trying to schlep out happiness to the population in form of fried chicken, don't call it trash. Uh,
0: Mr. Klux or Poyos Hermanos, uh, what is your what is your feeling is the superior chicken as a nod to the to the fried chicken trade off that you can see in the banner art at PostShowRecaps.com, where Gus Fring and Hugo Reyes are sitting together in a movie theater eating each other's fried chicken. I don't (laughs) know if you've ever noticed that if you haven't gone to PostShowRecaps.com, but if you go there right now, you'll see it.
1: It's the real Walt on the milk carton of just uh-huh. connecting the dots. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's strange because I would say that at least Mr. Clucks is not affiliated with an underground meth organization. But honestly, I wouldn't be surprised knowing Randy Nations. You know, <laughs> yeah. like that's his why he feels he can move up in the world. It's possible.
0: Uh, what does the Carmen say about like if you if you start praying to Jesus, he'll come down. He'll take 200 pounds from you. He'll give you a new woman and a new car. Yep. Uh, like, wow. Uh, I'm, as a Jew, I feel like I'm doing this all wrong. (laughs) Exactly. No that wonder like why people are so deal. devout. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and then someone calls on the phone and she says, it's Jesus. He wants to know what color car you want. Uh, you know, she's a little trash talkie in this episode. <laughs> yeah, a little, a little basura talking from yeah. Carmen Reyes
1: here. And, you know, we really find out this big detail from Hurley that's going to take us all the way into the season five with the events of the lie. Right. Where Hurley both does not want to lie and is a terrible liar. And you even right. see it here where he is one of those liars who is just bad at eye contact to the point where when he talks to her about the lottery ticket, you could very subtly see Jorge Garcia's eyes just move slowly away from her to show that he's still lying, even though it's, it's a very subtle maneuver. Um, back on the island, back
0: on the beach, uh, Hurley is showing up to the beach. I guess he's been relieved for the time being and go at least wash his feet. Little does he know that the shower works. Kate's really hogging that intel for herself. Uh, Hurley's back at the beach, and here comes Charlie with his baby Bjorn, with a little turnip head. Aaron is in the baby Bjorn. And Charlie wants to know what's going on in the hatch. And like he kind of like tricks Hurley into giving up some info about the hatch. He's like, I don't know what's in it. Uh, I guess it's like a bunker from World War II. Uh, he's like, how do you know that? I guess someone told me. He's like, I don't like that. I don't like the secrets, says Charlie.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I guess is it? Do you think Hurley, uh, Charlie's feeling some resentment here, in that he's going to use the term "AT missions" later on? But like in the pilot, he was in on the ground floor, and now he feels like he's been pushed out of the company. As it is, yeah. because this is not a good episode for Charlie. Spoiler alert: Charlie is an asshole. Yeah, in this no, episode. he's he's not great. I
0: I think. Look, Mike, he shot a guy, you know, he like he he very ruthlessly, recklessly shot a man uh, that everybody had like come up with this like careful, elaborate plan on how to trap and imprison and charlie just shows up and obliterates the dude um and like has shown very little in the way of like remorse about the action Mm -hmm. i think people are rightfully a little wary of charlie and especially if like maybe someone's like uh jack do you think we should get charlie on here and the jack like no is like um so this guy just killed somebody recovering drug addict maybe not somebody to be putting on our a-teams anymore
1: yeah and i think also the fact that you know charlie's starting to exhibit some addict-like behavior in this season i feel like the guilt trip he gives hurley here hes going to give him a much bigger guilt trip later on in this episode but him being like you know you're gonna lie to me you're gonna lie to the baby the baby has no recognition of what (laughs) hurley is he thinks he's just some big hairy blob at this point like don't use Aaron in your quest to get more information charlie (laughs)
0: yeah Charlie's funny in 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 some ways like the when he's like you're lying to me about the 150 it's like you were lying to me like you lied about the 150 million dollars and hurley says 156 uh charlie says oh i'm sorry i must have confused that with the 900 trillion i'm worth uh, by the way, this baby is made of chocolate lollipops so if you don't mind, I'm gonna go flap my wings and fly off this island. I mean, it's it's very funny, but he is just obviously uh a little in a little bit of like uh like that that dark mood that Charlie can get into. But even more than that, almost uh, to bring it back to Game of Thrones, like sort of like the Joffrey-esque attitude uh that, that Charlie can display from time to time. Uh you know, he gets uh he gets very uh high on his horse uh that is a that was not meant to be a, a charlie gets high joke uh but like he gets on the high horse pretty often Well, i mean um, he has
1: wings so it makes sense he would get high as well i mean i think probably yeah. wrong choice to tell hurley that Aaron's made of chocolate lollipops too by <laughs> the way right because then we'll get like a scene akin to the first scene of this episode of hurley just like licking Aaron from <laughs> yeah. head to toe
0: the music starts again duh, 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 as he just consumes Aaron. yeah claire uh, comes back
1: with the bottle where's my baby and yeah, you can see like a little arm sticking out of hurley's mouth. He was made of chocolate
0: lollipops. What do you want? Uh, that'd be weird. That'd be a very strange. Uh, yeah, very
1: strange thing for for her, like to eat the baby.
0: Yeah, I don't think that that is something that Lost was going to be uh, getting getting away with. I believe that's called vor. Uh, is the is the is the word for for what we are? Describing. Or as Locke would say, vor Vores. <laughs> <laughs> uh, meanwhile, elsewhere on the beach, Rose is back. Uh love Rose in this episode. Really great to have El Scott Cal- Caldwell back. Uh, she's humming to herself. She's humming the song. She's got the song.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess this maybe, maybe this is the parapsychology that we saw with Walt. That she she gets a feeling considering that she gets brought in on the hatch plan uh, with you know. Hurley essentially feeling a bit guilty on his own that Rose is essentially on laundry duty and there is a washer and dryer down there that could very much relieve her. I will say, this is good intentions from Hurley. Probably should have checked in with Jack about this before before bringing more people in, but I understand that his his heart, you know, he has a big heart.
0: Yeah, I think so too. But like, it's hard to say no to Rose. And I think that the thing is, Hurley does feel like he needs some help um and rose is somebody who's just not going to have an agenda other than like you know finishing the laundry uh so calling in rose is i i, I support the move um Hurley and rose at the hatch uh they're going to find the front door it's our first sighting of the front door mike uh and i feel like we should dock lock some points retroactively for having never found this it is right there yeah, there's this door right there. He was so myopic that he couldn't even find the damn door. He was too focused on the hatch.
1: And it's not as well hidden as the door to the arrow, even. You know, you could understand if it was behind some vines, but it really did seem like Hurley could just brush them aside, and there's the big old door right there. It's crazy. Maybe Locke is a host, and so that door meant nothing to him.
0: Ah, yeah, he couldn't see it. He couldn't see it. Uh, Westworld coming back soon. Um, all right, so Jack's going to see Hurley and Rose. He's like, oh, come on, Hurley. Why are you telling people? He's like, it's just Rose. Yeah, I love. I love,
1: mean, I love Rose just like kind of like chilling in the back and being like, "Hi, Jack. I'm right here. You're talking about me." He's like, "Hey, Rose. Sorry." Yeah, I mean, Rose is cool for what it's worth. It's definitely not a Charlie situation where Hurley says, "You know, she won't tell anyone." And I love Rose being like, "I don't even know what I would say." There's so much to explain here besides yeah. an elevator pitch. And I mean, it also makes sense that, that Hurley himself was sort of brought in unintentionally. Right? He just sort of followed Said when kate ran to get saeed on the kate phone so i guess it's sort of hurley bequeathing that you know sort of hey. mapping out to somebody else yeah
0: big word uh, around these parts the buzzword bequeath um yeah it's fun to see the hatch through the eyes of a newbie here in rose in and the especially- eyes of a <laughs> newbie. newbie and especially especially because we haven't seen her in so long i, I think is it's a really fun re-entry to the character um Back at the beach, Claire's off for a nice little walk. There's like a piano rendition of the raft music. It's very sweet. And then suddenly the music turns ominous as we see there is a bottle. The messages in the bottle from the raft. And the scary percussive music lets us know and lets Claire know this is
1: not good. Yeah, and Claire really gallivanting down the shore. It's almost as if that fake baby weight just fell right <laughs> just off. Just fell. It
0: did. It literally fell off overnight. Uh, so she's just back up and at him at this point. Um, she's walking around and finds the bottle, and we'll we'll get there. It feels like we're going fast through this episode mike but it's kind of an episode that you go fast through it feels like right
1: yeah i mean we're really darting between like three or four plots at this point i mean it's really reflective in the final or i guess the penultimate scene and the final part of the flashback which really darts back and forth between the flashback and the hatch it just feels like so much happens but almost so little happens at the same time that it's, it's a yeah. weird balancing act in that regard um, all right, so that's what's going on. We'll put a pin in the message in
0: a bottle. We'll get, we'll get a little bit more forward momentum on that um, later on in this episode, but it's really set up for next week. Uh, back at the hatch, Jack is going to show Rose and Hurley to the pantry, and this is when uh, Rose and we as an audience are going to find out that Hurley's job is to catalog everything that's in the pantry. He's inventorying everything. we got to figure out how to make it last. And in the meantime, nobody gets anything. No exceptions. Um well, tell that to Kate, who's going to come in in a second and steal some shampoo.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, look, I do not want to shame Hurley whatsoever, but considering his dreams, is this not like saying Charlie take inventory of the heroine? You know, like, are we? Right. Is, he, is he is Jack putting Hurley in the right role here and putting so much temptation in front of him? I think that uh, Jack really
0: uh, trusts Hurley a lot. We've established that. We've talked about how I think he, he sees so much value in Hurley um, and depends on him for a lot that I think that he is, he is fully depending on Hurley here. Hurley is a super reliable guy. He has shown no real reason to not be reliable other than that time when he tried to like stop the hatch from blowing up. <laughs> Um, And even like in the face of like Hearing from Hurley that he had been Institutionalized he's still talking To Hurley like in a pretty you know Straight up manner from that point forward Um, So it doesn't surprise me that he's Giving Hurley a very big job especially As they are trying to keep the Information of what's in the hatch uh, Trying to keep a lid on that to A certain extent and I don't think That Jack knows I mean Certainly he knows that Hurley is a bigger guy um, But I don't know that he knows That this is going to be like such a cross to bear for for Hurley, that this is going to be something that is going to be so triggering for for Hugo Reyes. Um, And I don't know that it's necessarily something that Hurley was just going to like volunteer to Jack. That doesn't feel like Hurley's style. So I don't blame Jack too much for this. I think, if anything, I like that Jack uh, has the faith in Hurley to to figure out this situation. And I love the solution that Hurley ultimately figures out. You Mm -hmm. just have to forget the fact that like he also secretly hoards some of the food for himself uh after this you have to like put that piece away you have to ignore that uh in order to like feel like this is a satisfying episode you have to ignore that piece and you have to deal with that later on downstream and i guess uh,
1: well, from a survivalist perspective this is the most important job right Diving up the food because this is going to be the most appealing to the outside world or at least right. the other 815ers
0: Right, 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 right. Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, but I don't know. Look, if it were me, I would do terribly at this. I would be sneaking candy bars left and right. So uh, the fact that Hurley is not doing that, uh, at least at this point, uh, and only like you know has like a secret stash of food at the end of this thing, uh, I think given that he's uh, responsible for some very hard decision-making here, I'm willing to give Hurley a pass.
1: I mean, it really is. Again, going back to Survivor, this is like a moral dilemma for Hurley, mm-hmm, right? And yeah. it'd be interesting to see, like... What Jericho from Australian Survivor would do if he was on the island instead of Hurley.
0: Yeah. Um, Hurley and, and Rose are in the pantry. They're inventorying everything. There's the Dharma salad dressing, ranch composite. Uh there's the Apollo bars. Uh Bernard would love an Apollo bar. That man has a mouth full of sweet teeth. Candy's candy. Uh, It's funny Mm -hmm. that Bernard has a mouthful of sweet teeth and he's a dentist.
1: I was going to say, do you think she meant that like he loves sweets or that he's able to do so much work on himself that his teeth are pretty sweet? Yeah, Uh, they're pretty
0: sweet or like they're like rotted out with sugar, but he's like constantly giving himself new fillings.
1: Exactly. Like, I think those are all fake teeth. Keep Bernard away from the
0: from the mockery wall in the hatch because his fillings would hurt. Yeah, no, his bad, whole I mouth think. would get pulled out at that point. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> you just see Bernard's whole fleet of teeth <laughs> just, just, like, yanked out like a Looney Tune. Uh, Hurley's a little indelicate about Bernard. He's uh, like, oh, I, he he used to say that, right? Because isn't he dead? Didn't he blow up? He was at the back of the plane, and didn't they all blow up? Uh, and Rose's like, don't worry about that. He's fine. I know he's going to be all right. You, it doesn't matter if you misspoke. Um, Hurley's really concerned that everyone's going to hate him because he's going to do this wrong. Uh, and like adding, uh, proof to the, to the mounting pile of, of guilt that he's, um, incurring, uh, here comes Kate. She's going to grab some shampoo. Uh, Hurley's not even really going to be able to like say anything of like, you can't do that. Like, he's just like very light was just like, Kate, you can't, she's just like, thanks Hurley. And she just leaves even Rose, who is like, I think like a a good barometer for, uh, you know, morality. Yeah, she's like, it's just one bottle, it's fine. Uh, And always goes, That's where it
1: starts. It starts with the one bottle of shampoo. Yeah, and I mean, we'll get it later. I don't necessarily feel that the flashback from this episode necessarily merits the attitude that Hurley has. But I think it's also really interesting where, you know, Hurley says, Oh, Rose says, Okay, Hurley, you're the one person that everyone loves. I mean, How much of this opinion do you think, Josh, was couched in, like, the meta aspect? The fact that Hurley was such a fan-favorite character at this time that they're almost embracing that element but also giving color to it in this episode yeah i think that that's a piece of it and especially because they took so long to
0: give us a hurley flashback in season one i think as they're you know embarking on season two um they feel like they've got a better handle on who the character is um and the flashback doesn't like you know meaningfully move the ball forward in any way this is a whimsical episode this is a skippable episode of lost how about that? Uh, I think that this is an episode, if you were trying to go through Lost very quickly, you could bypass this episode. Uh, you would want to know who Bernard is, I think is like the big thing, but you'll figure that out. You'll figure out, Mr. Echo doesn't even say his name in this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, Libby, you'll get Libby details. You know, I think that you could, you could pass this episode of Lost if you had to. Um, so the flashback, I think, enriches the Hurley character to a certain extent, um, but not in a way that is, um, is so important or even so delightful, like an, an episode like Trisha Tanaka, which you could argue is skippable as well. But I think the delights of that episode are, are so high that I would, I would highly encourage anybody to not skip that episode. I would say don't skip any episode of lost. Um, but if like, you're feeling like the fatigue in the early going of season two, I think that there's probably like a, uh, a, like a, a, a diet season two that you could <laughs> offer up to people. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, I yeah. think that there is like the, the protein shake version of season two where you could probably cut about half the episodes I would guess.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's really like the, like the high macro low carb version. I, mm-hmm. I would say if anything, people can watch the last act of this episode. Cause I really do feel like something that d- brings the episode in its favor is I think the ending is really well done between the Bernard totally and totally the, 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 the final montage. And I feel like even if you just watch that final scene, that plays so well into what we know about Hurley, which I would say also improves this episode a bit is it actually whether intentionally or unintentionally plays into the final arc of hurley so well where at the time watching this to your point you're like okay this is an episode of Lost where, where stuff sort of happened but nothing really consequential yeah yeah it, it's
0: fun it's fun uh it's, and fun. it's fun yeah you know, there's there's great colors throughout the episode, and the music in this episode is really, really, really good. Um, it's just, you know, it's an episode of Lost. Anyway, let's. Uh, here's a good example. We're gonna we're gonna bring in a third sound. We're gonna go back to a flashback, and really, the only reason we pulled it is because it's just kind of fun, and it's great, and it's Randy Nations, and we hate Randy Nations. Uh, let's let's listen in on. We're gonna go to Mr. Clucks, and Hurley has been summoned to Randy's office, and Hurley is not gonna be standing for Randy Nations bullshit. You want to tell me something, Ray? Uh, no. You sure about that? Uh, yeah. This is last night's surveillance tape. Race? You owe the company for an eight-piece dark meat combo. I didn't mean eight pieces. Do you want to watch the whole tape? Oh, and while you're here, how many times do I got to tell you those napkins cost money? All right, it's two per customer. Two. We're not made of money here, Mr. Klux Ray's. I'm not made of money. Are you made of money? Because if you're made of money, maybe you don't want to work here. So get it together. Wait, is that a problem, raise?
1: Dude, I quit. (laughs) Randy, Hurley Hurley's made of money. I quit.
0: I quit, Mr. Nations. Uh, Yeah, so Hurley has pulled the plug and he quit. Uh, I love that scene. I think it's great. I love when Hurley's just like, no, not going to deal with this anymore. I just won, you know, multiple millions of dollars. My life is fine. Even if I don't know what any of this means yet, I don't need to be here anymore. Uh, The flashback continues. This is where we're going to get DJ Quals is really going to enter the ring uh, as Hurley and and his buddy Johnny, played by DJ Quals, are going to go off on a road trip of sorts, Mike, uh, running around Los Angeles and having a great day off because Johnny, inspired by Hurley, decides he's going to quit Mr. Clucks as well.
1: Who needs money when you got good looks? Well, according to Julie Bowen, apparently she said one time that DJ Qualls is one of the best looking actors ever. And I don't know if that was like loss prompted or not, but it's a strange sort of connection there. So, I mean, if he was cruising around and happened to pull by uh, Sarah you know in the in between anson mount and jack then wow maybe, maybe she would have been able to to get some johnny
0: i, I want to go back to randy well for, but but mike very quickly uh i believe that we never really find out who sarah left jack for is it possible that
1: sarah left jack for johnny Ooh, well johnny does i mean i think johnny's mr steal your girl right because doesn't he we find out in treasure tonight he, he right, ran off right, with right. starla True. um i'm going to go back to randy for a second because look Far brief for me to sympathize with Randy Nations. I can understand why he's pissed that Hurley is eating the food.
0: He's stealing product, I guess. But his company policy should allow for, like, employees to eat some food, I feel like. Well, I feel like when you—
1: I mean, as someone who— I know I worked at a restaurant, not necessarily a fast food establishment, but I believe, like, you can order food for yourself, but it's like, sometimes it's at a discount. Sometimes it's not necessarily free your employee meals. But I will say— the most ridiculous thing here is the two napkins per customer thing.
0: Maoze, like, <laughs> Randy yeah.
1: Nations, we're not a <laughs> communist nation. You don't need to schlep out two napkins for your I greasy know. fried chicken joint.
0: Yeah, speaking of Curb Your Enthusiasm, that's a that's a bit from I think uh, season eight, uh, if I'm remembering right. Uh, how many napkins have you taken? Larry gets pulled over at one point. Um, so yeah, Randy Nations just sucks, man. I'm not here for any justifications of Randy Nations. Bad yeah, dude. I Bad
1: mean, guy. yeah, he's and I, you know, like. When he calls Hurley Reyes, like, you feel like he's doing that to everybody, right? And that's sort of like the militaristic hold he has over everybody. He did it with Locke, obviously, but we're more familiar with Locke by his last name. But hearing hearing him do it with Hurley is strange.
0: Um, In the jungle, Johnny Locke stretching his legs. This is a different Johnny. Uh, And uh, he's being followed. He's been walking around a big circle. Uh, I'm surprised that Charlie had ever figured that out. It's funny when Charlie's like, you didn't have to insult me about it.
1: Eating lemons during this scene, we know he loves citrus, but like just <laughs> no, chowing I, on a I lemon. Think so
0: I think it's some sort of tropical fruit that looks lemon esque. Uh, but I don't think it's an active lemon. Because I would say is, I, I know that Locke
1: has lived a very pain life. but It almost seems masochistic that he's just like taking huge bites of a lemon, and that's what makes him feel something. Maybe he's taking like a, a big pocket full of sugar from the pantry and he's uh, walking
0: around, opening up lemons, sprinkling big handfuls of sugar on the lemon and sucking it out and making like uh, the hand lemon. Oh, aids. no wonder why Makes Charlie was following lemonade. him. I found some white
1: powder in Locke's pocket and Charlie's yeah. like, OK, I'm following this guy. What's that? <laughs> uh, yeah.
0: And so th- this is going to be the first of a few contentious scenes between Charlie and John Locke in season two. This is probably among the lighter scenes that they're going to have. Charlie, yeah, th- this one does not end with Charlie getting punched in the face, so I would say so. Charlie's mad, though, that like there's a lot of secrets. He's like, I know I wasn't swanning off on the bloody A-team mission, but I would have if I'd been invited. Uh, but I got Claire's baby back. Uh, and Locke's like, all right, well, what do you want to know? Stop freaking out. Just a- just ask me questions, and I'll give you answers. Yeah, so we'll so get to that in a little
1: bit. Wh- what do you make of Locke's decision here? Do you think it's because... Locke's mission is recruitment that he doesn't mind telling charlie about the mission even if it's at sort of like the detriment of the other jobs and the other narratives that people have been putting forward to him
0: i think that john you know he has seen potential in charlie before at this point he's got nothing against charlie right like he doesn't know about the the heroine that charlie is holding on to um that's not even on his radar a little bit Uh, so I think for for Locke to be pretty cards up with Charlie at this point is in character with where they are in their relationship and I think it's probably because uh, Locke feels like he solved the Charlie problem I cured Charlie of his heroin addiction you know John's messiah complex and his Mm -hmm. whole like I'm the wise guy who's not the (laughs) wise guy John Locke is fun uh, but he's the wise man on the island he's the shaman who's like leading people towards um, their actualization and he's he's helped Charlie to actualize he doesn't have to worry about charlie anymore so when he comes to find out that by you know uh you know by this point in in time uh charlie has found his way back potentially to to using drugs he's gonna be very disappointed by that and he's already very disappointed with his own destiny so those two things collide in a way that's that's not great like the, the 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 discomfort between john and charlie as characters makes a lot of sense to me um, from a storytelling perspective, given the ingredients on the table, literally in terms of the the Virgin Mary statues. Um, it's it's just like kind of like not pleasurable to watch, you know, like right. it's depressing to watch. It sucks to watch. Um, but it, it's not that it doesn't make sense to a certain degree, especially the way that Locke feels towards Charlie. I think uh, I and, and the way that Charlie subsequently is going to feel towards Locke after getting uh, beaten up. Um, I think all of that makes a lot of sense to me. It's just kind of shitty to watch
1: and i can also imagine that even just outside the charlie of it all that probably Locke does not agree with jack's edict of like let's keep this in the inner circle like for all he knows he's like yeah this is the hatch this is the thing that i found like i'm happy to tell people about it because that's going to bring them in on the mission so once again even though jack and Locke do not interact in this scene even though their partner is pushing the button it, it speaks further to i guess their respective attitudes as to how much information should be leaked out about the hatch at this point Back at the hatch, there's Saeed just
0: banging titanium against the concrete wall. Oh, could you imagine the wall's like,
1: What happened to, to, you know, what happened to Nadia, Saeed? Why are you (laughs) getting with Shannon now?
0: Uh, Yeah, something
1: happened to Nadia. Uh,
0: Yeah, the, the, the mean wall is getting what's coming to it. Uh, Said is just like tearing it apart Not now damn it Uh, As he's rocking the wall uh, And Jack shows him he's like hey have you seen the key trick He's like what's the key trick and he shows him That his key is like uh, getting Gravitated towards the magnetic wall and Said Has a great response he's like well that's very Interesting (laughs) so I just love Saeed's reaction to that It's a good thing and he's like as if like Sayed like turns and looks into the camera Good thing this item in my Hand is titanium which has Almost no magnetic attraction action and a big star soars across the screen with the yeah. more you know i love
1: the mr wizard of Said yeah. in this
0: moment yeah 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 it's like all right well we're not going to be able to get through but let me take you on a tour of the underbelly of the hatch we're gonna go beneath the floorboards and we're gonna we're gonna see some stuff
1: i completely uh, forgot about this josh that so we went into the hatch crawl space at some point cool. during lost it's fun. Well, we're
0: we're setting up the incident stuff here right. in this episode. Um, so I again, like, I don't think that this is like essential to know in order to be satisfied with the stuff that happens in season five. But this is fun. It's fun that you know uh, we're going to get you know in a little while, site talking about the uh, the Chernobyl reference and um, how something bad must have happened here uh, is uh, is exciting. Um, meanwhile, back at Laws, the final appearance until the other forty eight days, uh, they're going to get Sawyer out of there. Sawyer's reluctantly going to come out um but michael shows up and that convinces him like okay they talked it out uh sounds like they believe us swell we can all sue oceanic together
1: well maybe he gave that idea i know that nobody in the present company is going to be able to do that but that's what the oceanic six does right they get that settlement money i think it's so interesting to me josh that we're told that michael talked with the tailies but didn't see it like, I wonder, maybe they want to save that information for the other 48 days so we know the Tailey side of the story. But I, I just, think so. Considering think so. that Lost is almost always about like showing rather than telling, I just thought it was an interesting choice to have that happen off screen.
0: I think, it, I think it's for the reason you say. I think it's because they know at this point that they're going to have an episode that's all from uh, the Taileys' perspective. So um, let's not get too much of that information out there. I think that the way that they trickle out information from what happened to the Taileys as a little bit of a mystery that gets paid off in the other 48 days, I actually, I really like the way that. They do that. Like how we're gonna, um, next week we're gonna see Goodwin's body. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you'll go through all of the other 48 days being like, all right, we know this guy's gonna die, but how? Um, but you don't suspect him of being one of the others, even though they basically tell you in uh, And Found next week uh, or uh, Ooh, And Found. Thank you. I should say. Mm-hmm, sorry about that. Um, Sawyer's got a rock. He's looking for some revenge. Uh, and it punches him in the wound and knocks him <laughs> over and takes the rock and really gives him the business.
1: Uh, And it's so interesting, we saw this in the first scene, uh, the first Tiger Trap scene, but I really like seeing more of the Echo and Lucia dynamic, because even though Echo is not a cop, he really is the good cop to Anna Lucia's bad cop, right? Right. Or almost like her handler sometimes, too, where like she's bristling in front of Sawyer and Echo's trying to calm her down a bit, uh, but she still punches him in the face, so all the good that Echo can do amounts to nothing here.
0: Well, I think worth a reminder for people who are at this point and lost with us right now, don't remember the show terribly well and are like, why is Anna Lucia so mean? Why is she so mean to Sawyer? Why is she so aggressive? Um, And your memory of the other 48 days is a little bit cloudy. Her number one person is this guy Goodwin, mm-hmm. who turns out to be another who she has to kill. Um, and it's like after they've lost so many of the people in the tailies, they're already dropped in the very stressful situation that the the rest of uh, eight one five has been dropped into. Um, and on top of that, they, they you know such greater attrition of of people on their beach; they're losing people at uh, an alarming velocity, uh, just because they're they're much more defenseless than the than the forty two uh, you know the forty some odd survivors of um the main section of the plane um and then on top of that you throw in the fact that like her number one ally was like a bad guy the whole time and she had to kill the guy um she's very on edge and makes a lot of sense to me that she's on edge as she is but maybe doesn't make as much sense if you don't know that context so on like the first watch uh, i remember feeling like anna lucia was like way over the yeah, top very
1: aggro well especially compared to jack with her leadership style like jack right. would never say i tell you something you do it Right. And Even though that is and Lucy, I think, trying to put a bit of like a scared straight into Sawyer of like, you better listen to me because I'm the one in charge here. It's, it's a very intense compared to the other leadership styles that we've seen, uh, even though I, and it, pr- it prompts, you know, Sawyer's class clown response of I say jump. What do you say? you first you
0: first <laughs> yeah i love it um yeah I, it's it's funny I, I, the sawyer and Anna lucia relationship is obviously uh has uh, a pretty wild punch yeah i was gonna line. say it's, it's so
1: funny to watch them like to imagine them knocking boots mere hours before she dies yeah. considering this conversation when he threatens to kill her and she just smiles and walks away
0: 100% Alright so let's move away from that uh, The continuation of the conversation Between Charlie and Locke He's yada yada through uh, The business and the hatch uh, But Charlie very helpfully For uh, audience members Who are new to Lost And just tuning in With Everybody Hates Hugo As their first episode <laughs> uh, Saying like He pushed a button Every 108 minutes uh, He has all these questions about it I like this scene Mike Because this is Charlie Talking about Desmond Right Like this is Charlie yeah. Talking about the last person He's ever going to see He does not know that yet but he's talking about like this all sounds a little bit crazy doesn't it um dude you're talking about the man who's got your destiny in the palm of his hand uh so this is just, this is just cool that charlie and Locke are basically talking about desmond uh talking about the guy who's gonna be so essential to charlie mm-hmm. uh, in the end game of his storyline
1: i also think it's interesting when charlie says it sounds a bit nutty which i believe is how he'll also describe the peanut butter uh-huh, next yeah. as well uh so maybe that was his word of the day his own bequeath and Locke says it is what it is charlie Again, maybe it's the meta aspect swimming around in my brain, but part of me kind of feels like that's not Damon and Carlton necessarily. This is obviously Kitsits and Horowitz, but this is Lost saying like, this is the new normal, everyone. Get used to it.
0: Yeah. Uh, and Locke's going to tell him, yeah, so we're, we've got two person shifts. Uh, there's a record player. <laughs> yeah, because they be like,
1: I know, hey, you like music. There's a record player in there. I don't know if Driveshaft put out any vinyl. That was not mm-hmm. the time to do so. That was really more so a you know a 2010s type of thing but if you want to check out any tunes
0: yeah there's some uh there's some geronimo jackson
1: down there there's Yeah, some uh some drifters
0: yeah meanwhile hurley is uh is he's in charge of the food uh charlie wants to know and charlie's very excited to hear there's food uh and so then we're gonna get into it right charlie's gonna come to hurley back on the beach i know hurley i know about the food uh, and uh he gets hurley once again to to admit to a lie and he says tell me about the peanut butter there's gotta be peanut butter there nutty creamy staple of children everywhere unless apparently you're australian except for claire <laughs> mm-hmm. uh and i always hated the way that charlie goes brilliant how about you give us one
1: it's like oh there's so much pressure i i loathe charlie in this scene the worst part by far is him going on to this model about like you've changed man yeah like i'm you, not gonna be you become f- one of them the man management yeah. he literally says i thought we were friends which is so freaking stereotypical and made me roll in my I eyes know. like kids and are better than this and i get the role that charlie's supposed to play in this but it just felt it felt so trite and it felt so out of nowhere in my opinion yeah, I mean, it's it's for comedy's sake.
0: I, I I mean, I think that that is what they're they're trying to play it for. But I think, that, again, we've talked about this, that there is sort of like a darker, sinister edge to Charlie uh that Hurley does not really possess in the same way that sometimes I think like lines that are meant to be purely comical from Charlie just like kind of like land with sort of like this douche chill. Yeah, Uh, and there's douche chills all over this interaction between Charlie and 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 Hurley as he's going to like rip his friend apart for not giving him peanut butter. Well, you know what it is very personally.
1: It's it's Liam. That's who Charlie is really embodying right now. Right. It very much calls back to me of like the moth. With Liam yeah. being like little brother, like why why are you harsh in my groove, Come chill, on. baby brother. Exactly, like that's sort yeah. of the attitude that Charlie's. And I guess it speaks to you know he hasn't exactly. I don't think has he sampled the the Virgin Mary statue yet, or is it just like alluring over him like the Telltale Heart?
0: Well, he never. I don't think that he even uses it, or at least like it's not clear that he does. Right. I think I think they leave some some uh, wait for it wiggle room for uh, the interpretation on on whether or not Charlie uses it. And my my feeling has always been that he didn't. Um, but it's there, and it is the telltale heart is exactly the way to describe it.
1: Yeah, it's just um, it's just this. That's one of the things I unfortunately don't like about this episode. Is I think there are some petty characters in both past and present, and I think unfortunately it's probably accurate. There are probably petty people that exist, but it's not exactly something I love in terms of like character motivators. Like I feel horrible if this is what motivates Hurley is Charlie guilt tripping him. But again, like you said before, it's it's unfortunately a wart of this character that we're going to have to look at. Um,
0: we're also going to have to listen to the wart of Charlie, uh, or at least Hurley and Johnny are, as we go to a flashback, they're in a record store and they are listening to, sadly, not Drinks on Me, uh, slash Who You Wit. Um, they're going to be listening to Drive Shaft, and let's listen in to their review of Drive Shaft.
1: You are everybody. You are everybody. Acting Acting like like a you're stupid when you something drive shaft or like suck
0: shaft <laughs> i just i just love that line so much
1: drive shaft more like suck shaft uh, classic classic I, even though again it's it's unlike the rambina side of like not being very creative at all right like you drive shaft could go to like so many other immediate areas and he's just taking it to like drive shaft more like suck shaft it, it yeah. just sounds like you could add suck onto anything there's no alliteration going on i mean i guess johnny is not a poet but i also love the fact that drive shafts at this point just showing how irrelevant they are at this point in time where like they only know the title lyrics and then they know no other words this has not become an immortal classic anymore
0: very very funny um it's just something that i have like Anytime anyone says driveshaft, it's the first line that comes to mind for me. Um, So Hurley's going to go and check in on headphones, a.k.a. Starla. Uh, Marguerite
1: Moreau in the house. And this is not... You don't think that's her real name, right? Starla. Do you know... Um, I mean, so here's my theory. Okay, wow.
0: Oh, I didn't realize that we were going to unpack the name of Starla in this episode.
1: I think that this character wants to go for sort of like a gem in the holograms thing like starla is her stage name and she's trying to break into the music business that's why she works at the record store that's why she's so interested in the hold steady and she wants to sort of get her name out there her stage name of starla because i would not believe any self-respecting group of parents would name their child starla Wow, I think that you just
0: offended uh, all of the parents of the many Starla's who listen to Down the Hatch on the regular.
1: I, listen, Starla Nation, come at me if that's Starla true. Nation, come for come for Mike
0: Bloom. Um, I can't believe that that's what we're talking about instead of the fact that uh, she no longer has uh, the flannel. Uh, Coop's, Coop took, her, took his
1: flannel back uh, when we meet Starla. That's true, and uh, you know maybe she just finished making out with Paul Rudd before coming uh-huh. to the store. <laughs> Yeah. Uh so she's gonna get
0: the news that uh that Hurley has quit Mr. Klux. This is a this is a big problem for Starla. You're my rock. You're messing with my worldview, Hugo.
1: Yeah, well she says, again very presciently, maybe unintentionally so Pretty soon, you know, the bees will not be making honey. The flowers <laughs> oh, stop no. growing. Cats and <laughs> yeah. dogs getting along. Living together And mass she says hysteria. the whole damn thing will fall apart, which actually really beckons well to Hurley's final role of him literally keeping the island and arguably the world held yeah. together by the end of it.
0: Yeah, if he stops working, the whole damn thing falls apart. Damn right. Um. Yeah, I just I I don't love like the uh, this is what cool people in L.A. do storyline of Hurley being like. So the hold steady is playing the troubadour. If you want to go on Friday, feels like something that I would say as like a not actually a dad, but like the soul of a dad. Uh, like someone like trying to fit in with the kids. Like this is like this is Hurley is like Steve Buscemi. Hey there, kids. Mm. Hey, hello, fellow kids. Gif. Uh, not not my favorite thing. But he's asking out Starla, and she initially says, like, I got to work on Friday. I could probably go Saturday. And he goes, Saturday works.
1: And they walk away, and Johnny's so impressed. You're freaking Fabio, dude! Yeah, which is surprising, because I don't believe that Hurley had a crab bite his finger, but maybe I missed we that. We don't know.
0: Well, <laughs> let's not focus on the fingers any further. Oh, no. Was well, that the additional <laughs> element that got <laughs> <guy laughs> added in? Or we don't want to put any crabs in the mix for that, I will tell you for sure. That is something we do not want. Um, back at the hatch, Jack and Saeed crawling around beneath the floorboards. Uh, Saeed says, okay, so over here. That's probably where there's a geothermal generator behind the mockery wall. Um, be careful of the pipes; they're very hot. It's almost like somebody's taking a shower.
1: Mm, I mean, again, he's he's not too far off with any of this stuff. Between the aforementioned Chernobyl moment, concerning that they are going to cause the Chernobyl-like moment, that's going to cause this this uh, concrete to get put in the first place. The geothermal generator, again, right. not too far considering that it is a piece of the geography, just maybe a bit more uh, fantastical than they may think. So Said's right on the money here, albeit like three seasons too early.
0: Yeah, it's the science part of the science and faith equation here is what is what Said is able to to hone in on. Um, something's happening with the steam. Uh, it's Kate, she's taking a shower. Jack's going to go walk in and says, someone had to try out the shower. It kind of got cold at one point. It was warm at best. It smells like poop, but it's a shower.
1: Yeah. And Uh, I I love
0: this scene between Jack and Kate.
1: I'd say much more, uh, much more or much less awkward than the Michael walks in on sun naked. Right. So I guess comparatively, this shower scene conquers the other one. Well, I think at this point, Jack obviously into Kate. And I think Kate currently like kind of still
0: like sort of into Jack. They're going to make out in a few episodes. We made out. Uh, that's gonna, that's coming up uh, A few, few weeks down the line Um, so this is like, I think like Some flirty banter going on here Mike Bloom, between Kate and Jack Uh, she leaves him the shampoo She says, you could use the shower And he's like, oh my god Uh, this is not the, the last time We will see Jack and Kate In a shower scene together mm-hmm. Um, you know, that we're gonna go into The future at one point point. they are gonna have a very, uh very hot steamy make out sesh
1: well i guess though if she saved the shampoo for jack do you think he saw the shampoo in the shower and was like wait a minute did she take from the inventory she had yeah. one rule and she broke it damn it kate i should have known her better scorpion stung me once again
0: yeah i think probably even jack is like hey, it's just one bottle of shampoo and it's kate more than anything it's kate um I feel like maybe we short shrifted the Chernobyl thing Said to say like uh, what Jack is like, what do you what do you think of all of this? Saeed? And Said's it's like, well, the last time I heard of like anyone pouring a butt ton of concrete and cement on a problem, it was Chernobyl. Uh, so he's yeah, he's bang on right on the money that there's some sort of. Uh, toxic irradiated madness happening here at the Swan Station.
1: Which I guess does it substantiate then Jack's personal decision to press the button, right? Because if he felt it was one big psychological experiment, this is sort of a case against that. Of oh wow, right. there really is a threat. So okay, this really means that I did make the right decision.
0: Yeah, I think it helps. I think it helps for sure. Um, back to the Tailies. They're on their way to to HQ. Um, Libby's going to briefly introduce herself to Michael. Uh I'm Libby after she falls and he helps her up. He's like, "Hi, I'm Michael. I'm going to shoot you in a few weeks." He'd yeah, he, like, he looks
1: right at her stomach and says, okay, it's a good place to shoot someone, especially with a pillow held in front of it. You know, I feel like Lost
0: always did this thing where they like tried to to set up romances with Michael uh, that never really went anywhere, certainly didn't go in the directions that you you expected them to. Like, you think Michael and Son, maybe that's a meet-cute, maybe something's going to happen there. Nothing's really going to happen there. Feels like they're trying to kind of like set something up with Michael and Libby here to a certain degree, uh, and then they're going to pivot with Libby and Hurley, but they're really not going to go into lovey-dovey, land with michael and libby
1: yeah so, though i guess maybe michael's then devotion is back to his boy you know that i was like right, his true love on the island here yeah um libby's gonna give like the cliff notes of what happened
0: he's like yeah there's 23 of us at one point uh echoes with sawyer he's not gonna identify himself yet we don't have the mr echo uh name drop quite yet but he's asking about sawyer's arm Sawyer's so like oh now you give a damn he says i said i was sorry yeah. i apologize I do, I do
1: love apparently that off-camera apology from echo because again it's very echo right he presents this very menacing front but i think once he actually gets in front of sawyer he's like almost atoning for his sins in a way of being like look i know i had to be the mean guy back there but that's not me
0: right uh they get to the arrow and tells everyone to shut up she does the secret knock on the arrow door. It's like uh, tap, tap, tap. Then turn your hand into a brush. Yep, like a, a light brush. Just bob ross the door.
1: <laughs> and there, at the door, is Stephen Amell Recommending yeah. them to the Arrow. <laughs> bump, 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 bump. All bump. right, do yeah. the salmon ladder so we can all get super
0: buff. Like, Echo. oh my god, uh, the name of that island is on the tip of my tongue and I can't. Uh, it was.
1: Uh, oh, it was. It's right Leon, there. Leon, you. Leon, Yu. I'm Leon watching Yu. Arrow, so I should. It should yeah. be at the top of my brain
0: yeah um speaking of arrow i pulled this sound um that we're going to listen to here mostly because i think it's it's really really creepy and unsettling i don't know how it'll translate to podcasting but i I just love this moment so much but what's going to happen is uh anna's going to lead michael and Jin and sawyer into the arrow and they are walking in with the expectation that there's 23 other survivors uh instead they find something else
1: You said there were 23 of them. They were.
0: just we're just really juicing up that mystery of like what the hell has happened to these people
1: yeah to, to sort of echo not mr echo your point earlier josh i really like how they give us bits and pieces of the the taleys story and it really also makes us realize that the taleys are sort of like the frank grimes of lost where <laughs> yeah, like they yeah. look at what the a fifteeners ers do and they're like oh my god you had so much great stuff like your hatch has so much great stuff in it this is our hatch our hatch is a, a shithole our hatch yeah. like is so decrepit you know it, it's there's barely any light there's barely any of us and you start to realize you know we had heard i think in between seasons that we would explore the taily life a little bit and we just realized how different their survival situation is than the fuselage people and how that's sort of fostered in the attitude of these characters specifically Anna lucia
0: so we get a very brief uh first sighting of bernard here um and then it's it's you know blink and you miss it but cindy's there as well mm-hmm. uh, flight attendant cindy welcome back to the cast
1: and also uh blink and you miss it i believe we see the arrow symbol on the door so it officially confirms that this is another dharma station not just another right. metal structure in the middle of the jungle
0: right um in the middle of a jungle somewhere sun in her garden and did, did, did come... she move
1: it i'm trying to remember no, i don't i don't think
0: so yet not off the top of my head um Shannon and Claire are going to show up. They've got the bottle with the messages in it. It's like something bad happened. We don't know what happened, but your husband was on the raft. We think you should decide what to do with them. Basically, son, what we're saying is we're trying to set you up for a flashback episode next week.
1: I do like I didn't even remember this until, you know, we benefit from the fact that we only watched Exodus about a month or so ago at this point. But Claire, son and Shannon, that trio mirrors very interestingly from when they were in the caves, the much bereaved caves uh, in part two of exodus where you know you had uh them trying to be simultaneously optimistic and pessimistic about the chances of the raft now this is sort of like the raft think take again coming back together we'll talk about Sun's decision later on again i kind of feel like she should have told jack at least because jack could keep a secret and also she has that relationship with jack but i mean i do understand why clarence and, and shannon want to go to her considering that she has the closest relationship to the people that were on the raft
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that there's no reason they couldn't have just gone to Jack and been like, "Uh, something happened. Something happened to the raft. You're literally the leader of the group. You're probably the person to tell. Uh, But they tell Sun, and Sun is going to bury the bottle and bury her wedding ring as a result. Uh, You you actually do see that later on in the Mm -hmm. episode that when she's taken around and her hands come up, there's no ring. It's a good little clue as to what's coming coming down the line. Uh, At the hatch... Hurley's going to come to Locke. He's furious about Locke telling Charlie everything. And good on Hurley for being like as courageous as he is here because John Locke is polishing assault rifles.
1: Yes, Locke's got a gun, so run away. But yeah, I I agree. I like Hurley confronting Locke here because, I mean, if we're talking about who to tell about the bottle, the last person you want to tell is John Locke because then John Locke talks to Hurley. He's like, well, you know, we're doing this because I need to recruit people because uh, just so you know, the raft blew up. And the bottle came back like Locke would absolutely let everyone know in the next five minutes that this raft yeah. blew up. Discretion is not the name of John Locke's game.
0: No, not at all. And he's like, he's kind of like ripping back into Hurley. I think that like you're starting to see a little bit of that edge on Locke. Like he is not completely disenchanted with his situation. He's trying to put on a brave face. He's trying to pivot. This is our, this is our world now. I've worked tons of jobs. I've never wanted to work. You still got to do them. That's why it's called a job. You don't get to quit your job. I don't get to quit mine. Sorry, Hugo, them's the breaks. And I think like part of it, like, he's still like in like early stages of curiosity at least if not outright love with the hatch because hey there's guns here this is going to be cool for hunting uh hey we're saving the world that's a cool thing i didn't expect that we'd have to push a button every 108 minutes but it seems like we're doing important stuff like he's able to like convince himself still at this point that they're doing key things um but hurley really not here for it and when he's told that he can't quit that's when hurley's like man I I'm so over this hatch thing that I'm even going to risk certain life and limb, uh, get arsed all over me by going into the jungle and grabbing some of the leftover dynamite from the arsed mission,
1: which is crazy. Yeah, this is a weird thing to do. Do you think if Randy wouldn't have allowed Harley to quit, Mister he would have blown up the restaurant? Yeah, is that maybe. Just solution. Going back to Locke for a second, I also find it you know a bit short sighted in that telling people makes sense from his POV of recruitment, right? Sort of breaking the truth so that they know what the job is. But it doesn't work from Hurley's perspective, because I feel like it was good to keep only a certain amount of people knowing about the food, because I feel like, of all things, food is going to be the thing that's just going to have the most mass chaos broken out, right? Everyone's yeah. going to want that food. They're going to want to go ham, like Hurley did in, in his dream sequence here, that like, what's good for Locke is not necessarily good for Hurley when it comes to giving away this information.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, Hurley's going to get the dynamite, and so that's that's very scary. Then we go to a flashback. Johnny and Hurley, they're going to get the gnomes. Uh, Johnny and Hurley getting gnomes from the van. Uh, they're going to lay it out on Randy's lawn, and they're going to spell out, uh, cluck you to Randy Nations. That's what they can get away with on prime <laughs> time, Mike. Uh, and that's fun, because Randy certainly deserves it.
1: Yeah, though, I mean... I- bottom five human being randy nation i would say so but like what's does randy have to then return the gnomes you know or (laughs) are those his gnomes now to keep and i think
0: now he has to go to every single he has to track down the owner of every single individual gnome uh also you know some some thievery potentially on on hurley and johnny's part right uh, I hope hurley compensates the the gnome owners with his uh his millions
1: yeah hopefully he buys them some new like gold-plated gnomes. New gnomes and yeah, that would make that randy feel real gnomes. bad because now he's going to have his own cavalcade of gnomes that are not as gold-plated so he feels like yeah. he's uh, subservient to them
0: we haven't heard much from dj qualls in terms of the sounds um so let's change that now uh let's get a let's get a piece of this flashback here as johnny and hurley are going to be driving in their car talking about how never change man Dude, what do you doing?
1: Freedom. <laughs> So anything else you want to do tonight, you better let me know now. Because our day off is just about over Huggy bear. In about 10 hours we're gonna have to find ourselves some new employment. I hear a pizza bin is hiring, or we could try our luck at um, gyro-rama, but I do kind of dig the chick who works at the bin. Dude, promise me something. (laughs) Okay, what? Promise me that no matter what happens, we'll never change. This will never change. Okay. Oh, I know what this is about. I know why you've been acting so weird lately. You're getting that, uh, that, uh, uh, stomach stapling surgery thing, aren't you? I'm not getting surgery. Come on, man, it's cool. I mean, I could still be all surprised. I could be like, oh, ooh, my Hurley. Wow, is that you? Listen, Johnny, I'm serious. <laughs> Promise me that you and I will always stay the same. I'll do you one better. Not only will I stay gold, pony boy, I will drink to it.
0: Can I borrow two bucks?
1: Was Johnny about to drink and drive, by the way? I I don't know if it meant, like, a Red Bull or something. Also, Johnny has a Velcro wallet, which, like, is a very Johnny thing. Nice. Nice. Uh, I love the uh, use of the Outsiders quote about Ponyboy, mm-hmm. considering that there's a character named Johnny who says that. I will also say uh, Outsiders, I think maybe an overrated piece of fiction, in my opinion.
0: I agree. I think that uh, there's all this hype about Outsiders right now. And I love Ben Mendelsohn and Jason Bateman as much as the next guy uh, and I'm a big Stephen King guy. Um, but I feel like uh, the show is just all right it's just fine
1: yeah i oh, are
0: we talking about different things
1: yes we now nah, maybe i don't know I, as long as there are no characters named dally and dairy on the stephen mm. king outsiders it may mm. you know slot above the other version of the outsiders check the back of pony boy's neck
0: for any supernatural boils oh boy um, speaking of but names I,
1: josh uh yeah. can we rate the name pizza bin do you really want to name your restaurant pizza bin you know,
0: we gave survivors so much guff over, like, its mountain of pizza, right? Like, the pile of pizza that they presented out there in Fiji for a reward challenge one time. Uh, I think I would, like, at least take the pile of pizza because it's not, like, uh like stuck to the sides of a bin yeah i don't think i would want a bin of pizza things are gonna get really floppy and soggy in there i think a pizza bin sounds like a bit of a nightmare
1: right and also if you're going with like the british terminology bin means basura it means uh-huh. trash you're saying like pizza trash hey come <laughs> to pizza trash can and nom on our cheese you know what? I do
0: think that I wouldn't be opposed to a place called like Pizza Trash or Trash Pizza, where like they wear it on their sleeve of like, this pizza is just OK. Uh, no, well, no, 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 no. There's well a difference weird.
1: between just OK and trash.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess there is. I guess there is.
1: Um Yeah. Uh What was the Gyrorama? Gyrorama, Gyro-rama, I think, is better, except now I'm imagining like the restaurant has a giant gyro like on a gyro spinning around you know mm-hmm. like i guess i'm yeah. thinking gyro rama i'm thinking of like some I guess, I guess i'm thinking of futurama speaking of a uh, helen norwood from last week and just this right. idea of like this giant 3d structure rotating
0: yeah uh the future is in uh gyro rama uh hopefully hurley bought both of those franchises and rebranded them uh, i'd like to think well
1: we could merge them the combination pizza bin gyro rama
0: uh, uh mr Klux. Uh, mr Klux. <laughs> 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 Jairo Rama Pizza Bin and Mr.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah, right, back campers in, everywhere are having a great uh, time thanks <laughs> to Hurley.
0: Back in... Uh, careful with Hurley and campers. All right, back uh, at the hatch. Uh, Rose is going to catch Hurley. He's about to blow up the pantry. <laughs> Assumingly, with him inside? I yeah, guess. like, what is he thinking he's going to do? And I, I love when, uh, when Rose is like, what's going on? And Hurley just gives, like, that straight... I'm sorry, I can't let it happen again. <laughs> it's, just, it's so overdramatic. It's really, really dumb, uh, but it's kind of funny and endearing at the same time. If you just sort of divorce this from reality and like even the reality of lost, you have to, I think, do a little bit of work there. But it's just sort of uh, hilarious to me when her always like just like very seriously. I'm sorry, I can't let it happen again. Yeah, well, someone he's just gonna arse the hatch.
1: Well, when he refers to that, because like I feel like even if you blew up the hatch, things will have still changed right like the toothpaste yeah. is firmly out of the tube at this point hurley thinks he's going to blow up the toothpaste tube and say great the toothpaste is back in the tube now yeah i mean i think that hurley just has like uh this very significant
0: arson itch mm. uh, even an arst in itch if you like I'm, are the, you surprised
1: that he didn't light the gnomes on fire then on randy's lawn well we know he's gonna blow up the black rock
0: eventually mm. right like so this is like in his wheelhouse he likes this move uh, he's like gonna put the, He's like gonna back pocket This at some point But you know what I didn't blow up the Hatch but I can still Blow something up Later on down the Line um, Let's get to our Penultimate sound of The episode which is Going to be uh, something That the episode does That I think is Really really cool uh, They like kind of Overlay the flashback And the present mm-hmm. Where Hurley's gonna Be talking to Rose And explaining why He feels the need To blow up the Hatch uh, and it's Gonna be juxtaposed With uh, with scenes from The gas station Where Hurley got The winning lotto Ticket uh, we're gonna to see the man who hurley had an encounter with in the van oh, no uh that we won't explore any further because we got to try and uh keep a straight Old face here fingers the clerk <laughs> fingers mcclerk uh yeah so we're gonna we're gonna see that and we're gonna that's that's what's gonna be playing out as hurley's gonna be telling rose uh what's going on in his head right now
1: why are you doing this honey look just get out of here Rose. but you're gonna hurt somebody not if i do it from outside the door It's thick, and I'll make sure there's nobody around first. So please, will you just go? Uh Uh-uh. You haul me off of the beach, and you drag me into this place. The least I can get is an explanation before you blow it up. You don't get it. This is going to mess it all up. Hold on. Dude, somebody won the lottery. Let me tell you something, Rose. We were all fine before we had any potato chips. But now we got these potato chips and everyone's going to want them. So Steve gets them. Charlie's pissed, but he's not pissed at Steve. He's pissed at me. That's the guy.
0: That's the guy. And I'm
1: going to be in the middle of it. What about us? Why why didn't I get any potato chips? Come on, help us out, Hurley. Why'd you give Kate the shampoo? And why didn't I get the peanut butter? Then they'll get really mad and start asking, why does Hugo have everything? Why should he get to decide? Then they'll all hate me.
0: I don't know what to do. that i think that's great and one of the things that i love about that is like when hurley hurley like hurley is like you know spilling his beans to rose here right like he's just like saying everything that's on his mind do you hear rose responding to him rose doesn't say a thing Mm -hmm. like like she helps him reach like the place that he needs to get to by just letting him dump it all out and all she does is like she like uh gently like uh touches his face uh, and like shows him that like, I, I'm here, it's okay. Uh, but doesn't say a word. And we just get all of that emotion from watching Hurley's life change in the past right in front of him and seeing like the look on Johnny's face of being like, why did you not tell me this big secret? I shouldn't have quit my job. You better pay me a salary for a year. You know, like it's just it, it's really it's really emotional. It's a big rant, but it's uh, I, I think they actually find a way of making this sort of like strange pile of an episode climax um, actually feel emotional and, and great and it's certainly only helped by what we'll get into after the scene which is um one of the great montages of season two up to this point yeah
1: i really want to drill down into this moment because it's almost like the emotional thesis of the episode and it's very comparable to his rant to rousseau in numbers right Right, this whole idea of like nobody's listening to me this is what's been bottled up inside me and much like rose Rousseau, if you will uh just stands there and listens and that's what hurley really appreciates and i can imagine the same thing is happening here As well, I want to talk about the Johnny of it all, because, you know, much like I found numbers relatable in an entirely different way than I did before, now that I'm sort of been focusing on my own mental health, I found this monologue extremely relatable, too. And, you know, I guess peering a bit behind the curtain into, Josh, I don't want to speak on behalf of you necessarily, but like our careers as content creators, I can imagine, especially starting out, like, you want everyone to like you. You know, like, I certainly sympathize with Hurley there of, like, making sure, being super vigilant that no matter what you talk about, that you, you want to make everyone as happy as possible. And it's something that drives you crazy. And, and to a certain extent, you sort of have to let go of the idea of, like, yeah, some people might not like your voice. Some people might not like your opinion. Some people might not like your laugh. You know, and, and it's it's their right to do so. And I think that's sort of, like a lesson that hurley uh needs to realize here as well he does end up getting everyone to like him but it's it's a compulsion that i found myself greatly sure associating with but the thing that i've also learned in my own sort of struggle with this is you know some people might not like you for specific sometimes valid reasons some people are just jerks yeah sure and in my yeah. opinion josh <laughs> uh-huh. johnny's kind of a jerk here oh wow <laughs> why well here's the thing like i think if johnny really had this big reaction to hurley keeping this secret from him considering how massive it was that's not a good friend in my opinion and we're gonna find out that he's gonna be so mad that he runs off with starla like yes this is a big secret but at the same time i don't understand why he's so furious at hurley for this he kept it a secret from him for one day and you see now tracing back the footprints that Hurley want to make sure that like their relationship wouldn't change. And Johnny just made that happen. I do not think if he was as good of a friend as we initially thought that he really would abandon Hurley like that after this encounter. Yeah, I, I do think, though,
0: that Johnny quit his job and probably feels like he just went off on this like great epic day. And like the meaning that he had behind the day uh, was was one thing. And now it's a very different thing in light of this reveal about Hurley. So I understand his feelings of betrayal Um I, I think I, I also fully understand where Hurley's coming from, where his life has completely changed and he doesn't want it to. And he's so afraid of what it means. And so he was not ready to really process that for himself, let alone tell Johnny what's going on. So I think it makes sense from both people's perspective to a certain degree. Um, but it doesn't mean that Johnny's a great friend to Hurley at the same time, that he's not going to be able to ultimately get past that, um, especially if he's just going to run off with Starla uh i still liked the headcanon that he was gonna run off with sarah maybe he maybe he
1: will i don't know how short-lived johnny and starla are it also it makes me just wish kind of that we had a scene after this last flashback scene just because I, i don't necessarily want the like johnny and hurley thing to end on this silent moment it is impactful but like if you want johnny's resentment to be vocalized To make me understand more of his POV, I I would sort of like that to happen. You know, I I I would want that that dialogue. And I, I feel bad for Hurley that, you know, his entire view has been sort of traumatized by this one guy who happened to be just super bitter and super petty about Hurley keeping a secret from him. And now he's like super guarded to change, which I also understand. I am also someone who's very reticent about change because I love the place that I am in life, and I fear having to open myself up to new opportunities. Josh Hurley might be becoming my favorite favorite character just because of how much I re- how much I relate to him nowadays. Yeah, hundred um,
0: percent. Hurley's been a blast on the rewatch. Um, thankfully, not a literal blast in this. He episode. He nearly was. He nearly was. Um, but I I I really I really love Hurley. Uh, Hurley just is, he's the everyman to a certain degree of the lost characters. I know that he's not relatable to everybody, but a lot of what you're talking about is obviously stuff that I've chewed on myself. Uh, the, the best advice I ever got in therapy was a couple of therapists ago uh great guy who just couldn't see the guy anymore for for reasons nothing personal um and was a cognitive behavioral therapist and he was somebody who who armed me with the truth which is literally there's just no there's no way that you can satisfy everybody ever right uh like you're always going to like any decision that you make is going to be disagreed upon by at least one person uh and potentially like very like deeply disagreed upon um by many people even and so like to to do something based like using that as your evaluator is kind of fruitless um that has when i can keep that in mind it has served me well uh i'm certainly not perfect with that rule i'm certainly somebody who has reacted uh, in a in like a, a knee-jerk gut kind of way to like social media feedback uh but uh, when I'm at my best, I, I do think I try to hold to that rule because I think there's more peace that way uh, where you kind of just you got to live your life got to live your life and you got to know that there are going to be people who are just going to be mad at your decisions, yep. who are not going to understand where you're coming from on something. Um, and that's not necessarily on you. Yes. Uh, maybe it is to a degree uh, in certain avenues, but even in, in some of those directions, maybe that's okay and maybe you just got to live with it. Um, so I think that there's lessons to be taken away here from, from everybody hates Hugo. Not everybody hates go. Maybe some people do. That's all right nobody's universally loved that's okay and you know that's what if if
1: they hate hugo and or if they loved hugo and then hate hugo then maybe the change didn't happen from you maybe the change happened from them or yeah. lack thereof if they only liked you in a certain scenario then that probably means that it was not a relationship that was meant to be and i guess this ties back to the fate of it all it's something that i believe in not necessarily you know everything happens for a reason but i think that the relationships we we keep and we win and we lose in life tie into our ultimate narrative and just like in any other narrative you might read or watch sometimes characters come and go for various reasons not everyone is meant to be in everyone's lives forever
0: uh you're gonna be in my life forever
1: oh you'll be in my heart tarzan
0: Okay uh, You'll be Alright so there's a big bonfire rager that Hurley uh, Kicks off because he goes to Jack He's like alright I figured out what to do with the food We're just gonna eat it all tonight uh, We don't have enough for everybody So let's just have like one big morale booster uh, And Jack's like alright you're in charge So if that's what you want to do let's just do that uh, and everyone's very happy with the choice. Yeah,
1: Char- it, I I, I want to see Claire happy, but I don't feel like Charlie should have gotten his peanut butter. I don't think he deserved it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's for Claire! It's for Except Claire. If there was a way for Hurley to... If there was a way for Locke... To bring the peanut butter to Claire and make Charlie yeah. look bad. That would have been the best of all worlds.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I love this scene. It's a great montage. You see Jack and Kate together. Shannon's with Vincent. Uh Charlie and Claire with the apples and peanut butter is a really cute scene, even if we're annoyed with Charlie. Charlie giving Hurley a big hug. Uh, I enjoy that quite a bit. Uh, the Michael Giacchino score is just
1: excellent oh, I lo- in this scene. The ukulele involvement is so much fun because... I mean, this might be, from my memory, Josh, one of like the last times that we see everyone, quote unquote, everyone happy. You know? Huh. Um, no, there's other, I think that there's gonna be a couple of others. I mean, I guess you could um, say like the season three finale a bit once they make the call to the, to, from the radio tower.
0: Yeah, there will be there will be a few moments, and, evo- for sure. and obviously
1: the end when they're in the church. But
0: this is one of the happiest moments we've had from everybody in a long time because things have been very hectic recently. Certainly, um, so it's it's uh, it's it's a great 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 scene. It's obviously not happy for everybody. Further down the beach, we see Sun digging that hole for the bottle, uh, and then when her hands are withdrawn, the ring is gone. What happened? Uh, well, I guess we'll just have to wait until ooh and found next week. Um, And how about this, Mike? How about we close out with a sound? We'll get a little tiny taste of that Giacchino score, uh, but we'll get the final scene of the episode, which is like the most somber note of the montage, but it is also quickly going to become one of the great emotional beats of early season two. Where you guys, uh, where you came from? Is there a woman named Rose there? Black chick in
1: her 50s. She. She okay? Yeah, man.
0: Thank you, Michael. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm Bernard. And Rose pockets the Apollo bar for her sweetie with his sweet tooth, because she knows he's out there someday. What a great ending! Great ending. I think like the ending of this is another one of those instances that like elevates like a pretty middling episode to like being like a good episode. Yeah, you know what I mean.
1: I mean, Sam Anderson has a lovely debut scene. I'll put debut scene in quotes because he was you know the doorman at the Arrow beforehand. But like, what a coming out party for Bernard here! I love just like. The emotion, I'm yeah, the, I love how he says the emotion. The, just how verklempt he gets, where as soon as you know, you, you feel like it's a little trepidatious when he asks them about Rose, because I think he's fearing the worst. And when he hears the best, he just like comes to pieces in front of these strangers, you know. And I think for Michael's part, he does a great job of supporting him as well. Like he tells him it's okay. Seems like they go into a dialogue that sort of trails off. And yeah, having Rose pocket the Apollo bar is like a nice reminder of yeah, she was right the entire time. And again, it, it drives home this idea of faith and how faith is, you know, it's 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 multifaceted, but at the same time, at this moment, faith is winning out over science. The things that we're believing in are actually coming to be true.
0: Yeah. It's great. It's it's lovely. Like I, I think like the fact that like they do it more subtly earlier in the episode and in like in a way that's like you hate the guy so like you're not really looking at it too hard that like Hurley is working for Randy Nations which connects him to John Locke off island right um but here like Faith is is being rewarded in in a more emotional way Um, that Rose, who's this person who has been showing Hurley the whole episode uh, as often as possible, that like things are going to be okay, Um, that she, that it bears out to be right. And I think that what that does is it, it's not only, um, you know, a a great payoff for what Rose has been saying this whole time all along that Bernard is alive. Um, But I think like it's, it's an early indication that, We're probably going to lose people along the way here on Lost. Mm -hmm. People will die. There will be tragedy. But ultimately, we are going to be left feeling uh, similar to how we feel at the end of Everybody Hates Hugo. Um, Ultimately, we are going to be left feeling... Like we just like we're at a a huge bonfire rager chowing down on delicious food with our friends uh, and being reunited with someone we didn't expect to be reunited with. So um, I love that. I I think that the ending of this episode is excellent um, and raises it from what would have been like a high twos to, you know, probably like mid to low threes for me if everybody hates you go ultimately and
1: not only that i mean we should also talk about at the time i know that you would say like oh this is not the big shocking ending that we usually get from lost but i remember at the time it was a little surprising to be you know uh, uh quite blunt about it that people were surprised that bernard was a white guy you know right. that, that rose's husband was sam anderson the sort of like unassuming older white man and we'll obviously get their story Later on, it's an interesting odd couple as it is, but that was a fun little shocker to people of like, okay, if the Taylors are coming in, this probably means Rose's husband's going to be there, but which one is he? And to have Sam Anderson, of all people, pop up as our sweet tooth rose loving man so
0: surprising (laughs) sweet tooth uh yeah old dr sweetie uh no it's great And, and i do remember just uh my feeling finishing the episode being like oh man sweet bernard's here that's so lovely uh and like now you can't think of rose without thinking about bernard but we had like a full season of rose as a fixture in the lost universe even if she wasn't in most of the episodes um, and you kind of just thought of her as like the crazy person that thinks that her husband's still alive and to find out that, uh, no, uh, she's not crazy. Her husband is alive Is a a powerful thing Um, Let's move in To the feedback To the other section But before we do Let's take a quick second To thank our sponsors For this episode Of Down the Hatch Mike And those are our friends Over at NetSuite Uh, What do companies like Ring, Hint, and Tech of Us All have in common They all use NetSuite To accelerate their growth Mike Uh, Successful companies know That in order to grow faster You must have have The right tools, whether you're doing a million, 10 million or hundreds of millions in revenue, NetSuite by Oracle gives you the tools you need to accelerate your growth. With NetSuite, you get a full picture of your business finance, inventory, HR, customers, and more. It's everything you need to grow all in one place, right from your phone or computer. You gotta push that computer button every 108 (laughs) minutes, though, otherwise it doesn't work. No, just kidding. NetSuite's gonna give you the visibility and control you need to make the right decisions and grow with confidence. That's why NetSuite customers grow faster than the S&P 500. NetSuite is the world's number one cloud business system trusted by more than 19,000 companies. It's the last system you'll ever need. So schedule your free product tour right now and receive your free guide, Seven Key Strategies to Grow Your Profits at netsuite.com slash tour. That's netsuite.com slash tour. All right, Mike, let's get into the others. And before we talk about orientation from last week, before we talk about Everybody Hates Hugo from this week, let's finally get into some feedback from uh, one of the most ridiculous podcast experiences of my life. And I think to set that up, uh, you got a little jingle you can play for us?
1: Everybody with me, drinks on me. Hey, y'all, who you came with? Who you leaving with? This my line, everybody with me. Hey, y'all, who you came with? Who you leaving with? Everybody with me, drinks on me.
0: Hey, y'all, who you came with? Who you leaving with?
1: (laughs) <laughs> Glad we didn't tell uh, John Locke about that secret podcast, or it would have been released way, way long before it actually hit everyone's feeds.
0: Um, all right. So let's talk about the DJ Dom Exposé Party, uh, the podcast that we released last week, where uh, Mike Bloom and I, alongside Detective Mark Douglas, really led by Detective Mark Douglas, tracked yeah. down the man behind Drinks on Me, which has now been revealed to be titled Who You Wit uh created by chris the glove taylor is the artist behind that song who revealed during our podcast that the song is written from the perspective of hurley so hurley (laughs) is dj
1: dom yeah so i guess who you're leaving with we found that from this episode (laughs) the answer is not johnny no you're not leaving with johnny apparently not with starla
0: uh we're leaving kind of with rose and bernard as a thing yeah um, or you
1: came with dynamite
0: <laughs> <laughs> you left with a food party for everybody um the reactions to the dj dom exposé party was everything everything that i hoped they would be mike um, yeah
1: uh, so much positivity flowing out like fine wine in response to chris the glove taylor you know we had a lot of fun on the podcast but it's one of those things where I have no idea how people were going to perceive it It, and was, I was, it so was so happy. It was such
0: a blast to do but I felt the same way where it's like I don't know how people are going to enjoy this as a podcast but I don't care because uh, I'm having such a good time doing it um, and it seems like it translated. Uh, Natalie uh, Kussar wrote in and said that was truly legendary. Thank you. Jim Fells wrote in uh, listening to this right now and just completely amazed. I've probably been as obsessed with this song as you guys for years finally getting the answer this mystery completes me in ways you can't even imagine. Uh, The great Torbjorn Fraser wrote in, the twist of who DJ Dom actually is may have unironically cured my cold. An important societal moment this was. Uh, Zed Hope Simon said, currently listening to the DJ Dom podcast, I've heard it four times so
1: far, I think. That's
0: crazy, Zed. Uh, And it's wild how much I'm losing my mind over something I admittedly didn't care about at all five months ago. Um, Lostpedia is now updated Mike uh with the down wow. the, with the down the hatch uh podcast being attributed uh, with the identification of the artist behind this song. So that is one long-standing lost mystery that is officially solved. By the Down the Hatch podcast with, an in, with, with Detective Douglas leading the way. Um, just incredible stuff. This is one of the greatest times I've ever had on a podcast.
1: Yeah, and I'm so like, I am actually in a sincere amazement that we made lostpedia i never <laughs> thought great. we'd be able it's to great. i don't know Maybe people want to uh, fill in lostpedia with now my backstory on starla maybe that'll be the next that time we'll be able to, to make the canon that'll be it uh detective
0: douglas asked us mike uh now that we know the gloves origin story of his name uh detective douglas says i think all the hatchlings are now going to be dying to know what josh and mike's dj names would be mike don't you already have one
1: yeah, so I I have to go to the one that is bequeathed, word of the day, to me by the great Tony Vlachos. I have to go with Mixmaster yeah, Mike. Yeah, you're Mixmaster Mike. Yeah, so I, I mean, listen, when, when a million dollar person gives you a name, you stick with that name. And so I'm going to stick with the name I've been given. So Josh, I guess I had the much easier job comparatively. Uh, yeah, mine's Wanda. Oh, uh,
0: okay. <laughs> That's it. Swanda. Wanda. Um, all right, let's get into uh, some feedback about orientations, some, some responses to the episode last week. This is from Melissa Forziat, who writes in, um, Helen tells Locke to take a leap of faith and let go of the safety of the ritualized misery he is inflicting on himself when he visits his dad. She's telling him to let go of the self-harm, get out in the world, and see what is there. In this episode, Locke uses the same line on Jack and tells him to take a leap of faith, but it seems like he's confused about what Helen meant. Isn't pushing a button every 108 minutes the equivalent of the guaranteed ritualized misery that waiting outside his dad's place was? It's not a leap of faith. Seeing what happens if he doesn't push the button would be the leap of faith.
1: Mm. I see her logic, but I'm not sure I agree that Helen's leap of faith was just about breaking away from from Anthony Cooper. To me, leap of faith more so meant you have to trust me Mm -hmm. i know you're not used to trusting people but you have to trust me and so i think when Locke said the same thing to jack that's what he was saying too of you're just gonna have to trust me take a leap of faith so i feel like if you're going in from that perspective from more of a relationship perspective than a break this break the bad cycle method then it makes more sense but i do see melissa's perspective where if you are indeed coming from like the hey break out of your monotonous cycle to like you know celebrate your own happiness then yeah it does feel like a bit of a reverting back to old behaviors for Locke as we talked about last week
0: um chris boone writes in uh love the podcast Just wanted to give my input as to why Hurley was going to let them enter the wrong numbers into the computer. Both of you were very critical of Hurley for doing so, saying that he was going to sit by and let them make that error, which could have had disastrous consequences. I feel the opposite, says Chris, and that in him allowing them to enter the wrong numbers, it was his attempt at preventing something disastrous. We've seen how the numbers have had such a negative impact on his life, and any time he has tried to open up about this to anyone on the island, he has been mocked. Or ignored. Uh, Chris, I would say that that is a fair point. That being said, he was wrong. He was wrong. And if he had had his way and they didn't put the numbers, disaster would have occurred. And that is where the LVP point comes in. Uh, The intentions were good, but the results could have been calamitous. Calamitous.
1: Exactly. And look, it did get prevented, but considering the sliding doors of what could have happened uh, as we do the little brush stroke motion to open up that door like the arrow. Yeah, I think that what could have been very much outweighs Hurley's intentions here in not necessarily wanting to associate the numbers with something bad that may happen if they go into the computer. Uh,
0: John Krauss writes in uh, the orientation video mentioned B.F. Skinner, who was an early psychologist who did experiments on animals. He invented something called a Skinner box, where animals were put into a cage and conditioned them to perform tasks such as push buttons to get rewards. We see a literal Skinner box in season three with the polar bear cages, but the obvious illusion here is that the hatch itself is a Skinner box. This was early evidence for the fans watching in real time that the button was a psychological experiment
1: yeah i'm pretty sure didn't bf skinner do an experiment where you push a button and a hamburger comes out but they <laughs> insist that you call them steamed hams instead <laughs> is that right Yeah, because it's an Albany expression. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, Let's get into Everybody Hates Hugo feedback from
0: Daniel Brennan. I know you guys acknowledged several moments in the first season where Hurley showed some leadership skills, but his decision to blow up the hatch is a pretty big point against him eventually becoming the deserving Jacob. Rose helps him reconsider, but still, what the heck was he thinking?
1: I I consider this a step. And uh I think we've, we've seen this with Jack as well. Like, I mean, Locke will soon see too, where you make bad decisions as a leader. And I think this was a... Rash decision from Hurley, and I think Rose helped convince him to like leadership involve taking a step back and thinking. I do not, I mean, I guess Hurley thought to grab the dynamite, but I did not think he thought of the consequences when he decided to start, you know, <laughs> unwrapping the wire. Uh, Specifically from his point of view, I think this was a cautionary tale for him of, okay, let me not act too rashly. And I'm assuming he took this to heart, even though he does use the dynamite to blow up the Black Rock. That is much more of a deliberate and meaningful thing than what he was going to do here.
0: Uh, Brendan Fitzpatrick writes in and says, this is one of the best opening scenes to an episode. In the world of everything is the smoke monster. Where did Hurley's dream slash premonition come from? Mike, do you think that the smoke monster is rooted in that dream for Hurley? Uh, mm-hmm. like, especially if we're going to look at Dave later on down the line through the lens of potentially the smoke monster messing with Hurley. Could this be the monster is go goad- to trying to Goad Hurley into blowing himself in the hatch up. Oh, do you think the smoke monster
1: fingered Hurley in the van? <laughs> 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 like a fan fiction writer Yikes. just sort of woke up from a sleep like a spidey sense of like I gotta write something now. Oh my god I think he caught people off guard with that one
0: uh, Andrew Yu writes in one thing I noticed is that near the end uh, when Sun loses her ring bearing the bottle you see her ring on her hand during the scene but at the end when she runs her hands along her pants there's no ring eagle eyed viewers who noticed the missing ring ahead of time couldn't be sure if it was a production goof or intentional but when we get the payoff that it was indeed intentional us bands then held off to a high standard that demanded we scrutinize every detail and anything that seemed off could never be fully written off as a goof um that makes this a historic episode then mike that it's everybody hates hugo that uh elevates uh the lost creative team to such a high (laughs) platform that they can never get away with just doing something willy-nilly again
1: Yeah, this is the episode where Damon Lindelof became a god, apparently. Mm -hmm. But like all gods, especially those of the Greek variety, gods make mistakes. And we have certainly pointed out mistakes in the past, or maybe some things that were a bit extraneous in retrospect. But I will say it was good continuity for their sake. You could also tell that, obviously, ooh, and found... It was going to be the next episode down the line, but you knew that that episode was planned out to the point where they were going to have this happen. Instead of just, you know, son accidentally dropping her ring in there and then like nine episodes down the line they're like oh yeah all right we'll write something about Sun's ring being missing
0: yeah uh benji holder uh giving props to the cool transition from hurley uh from charlie berating hurley in a flashback to hurley making fun of Drive Shaft. this show is the best uh yeah it's a great transition i love that uh stefan johnson says when was the last time kate had a job I don't know. Do you consider criminal a job? (laughs) Criminal activities. Uh, I don't know. It's a good question. Um, A roundup before we close out the others. uh, Some behind-the-scenes information. The real location of Mr. Klux, it's actually a Popeye's chicken. Uh, I've been asked, am I going to be going to get a Popeye's chicken sandwich? Mike, believe
1: it or not, I've actually never uh, had Popeye's before. Oh, interesting. When I used to live in New York, that was... A location I would frequent a bit when I first moved there before um, my heart told me, no, 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 you may not. I don't know if there's an equivalent of like a sweet tooth, like a grease mouth. For someone who (laughs) would choice Grease Mouth. Yeah, Mike Bloom, Grease Mouth. But old Grease Mouth. Uh, Love that fast food. Yeah, DJ
0: Grease Mouth is uh,
1: another option for you. Yeah, just keep his mouth away from the records (laughs) or you're just going to be permanently damaged. (laughs) Yeah, I've never done the Popeyes. I wanted to do the Popeyes and
0: then like the chicken sandwich craze happened and I was like, oh, I should get in on that. But I also kind of feel like I should have like regular Popeyes before I have the sandwich. And so then it just became like this self-defeating thing where neither of the things happened.
1: Oh, wait, Josh, you're telling me you saw the hit cinematic motion picture Little Nicky and we're not interested in Popeyes after that? No, I'm telling you, I've never seen Little Nicky. Oh, my God. There's a I mean, there's a quote from one of the demons of hell saying Popeye's <laughs> chicken is the shiznit. Oh, and that's advertisement enough.
0: Well, no, everyone I know says Popeye's is the shiznit. Uh, and I think they say it unironically. So uh, one day I will have Popeye's uh, when we do like our uh, our Mr. Clucks podcast. I don't know what that means yet, but... I
1: think it's going to be us eating Popeyes and then us feeling horrible about ourselves for the next, like, hour in real time. Some difficult ASMR on that yeah. podcast. Mike and Josh become grease mouths. Yeah, Dallin
0: Cerevo reports 11 dudes in this episode. Our dude Damn. count is now at 85. 85 dudes. Um, wow. How about the music analysis from Jim Fells this week, Mike?
1: So, yeah, we got some Hurley motifs coming in and you talked about this. It's, it's actually very... the One of the Hurley motifs is the one that plays when Claire is Ladi. Dying by the shore. Like you said, it's very similar to the raft music, but it's going to be used a lot with Hurley in particular. Uh, Kino actually used it to represent the quote unquote true side of Hurley's character. I guess when we're sort of skewing away from fun time Hurley and into more of a realistic portrayal of him. And interestingly enough, it's used in the aforementioned final scene in the church as well, which I think could both be a symbol of the happier times, like they did when they had the big beach bonfire, but also the fact that Hurley is the protector of the island at the end of the day uh awesome that's great um
0: let's get into the into the mvp lvps uh coming into everybody hates hugo uh i'm gonna have two mvps to give out you're gonna have three uh you'll have two lvps to give out i'll have three uh, i think no spoiler to just like give our first two right off the top right we're we're giving two to hurley this week
1: right so i know i'm last giving week- one
0: you're giving one to hurley two yeah. apiece we're one splitting them up yeah.
1: um and we're nominating on it like a big mm-hmm. old ice eight cream piece, sundae
0: an eight piece of uh fried chicken that we're not paying for screw you no, we'll, randy we'll pay cluck. for
1: any gnomes on your lawn cluck you randy those are your children now randy <laughs> you have to treat them like children yeah. now that's your job yes uh so yeah so i mean i think it's actually the exact opposite of last week where we said that hurley gets an lvp point because his intentions were good but the execution was not good in retrospect i think you know With the hatch nearly being blown up and everything, you could say the intentions were maybe not terribly good, but I think what he does at the end of the day, I mean, he is this big benefactor. And I also love the image, by the way, of like the starkness of Johnny standing solitarily, just staring at Hurley from afar, contrasted with everyone closely embracing Hurley from a body language perspective just speaks to, you know— how different Hurley's life is on the island than off as much as he wants to compare them. And so what he does at the end of the show, at the end of the episode, I think should be commended for. Yeah.
0: You also just hate Johnny. So you like seeing that, uh, that final image of him just like standing there being like, what did you do to me?
1: Yeah, listen, DJ Qualls, I have no qualms, Quals, with you, <laughs> but, no there can, qual,
0: qualm but there can only be DJ one qualls. big node
1: skinny man uh, on the, uh, I'm affiliated in the Lost with Universe. Lost.
0: It's got to be you. That's <laughs> amazing. Um, all right, so uh, a point for Hurley from Mike. A point for Hurley from me for all of the reasons that you've outlined, Mike. Um, and then I think you and I we could probably talk in concert about these next two. Because you're going to give an MVP point to Rose, I believe. And I'm Mm going to give one to Dr. Sweet Tooth Bernard. How can we not give MVP points to Rose and Bernard this week?
1: Especially Rose. I mean, Rose was somebody who got brought in on the plan and was like... A good confidant, unlike some other people, she did not leak the secrets, and she was there for Hurley in you know her hour of need, and she was ultimately proven right. Yeah. It was
0: an, an all-time week for Rose. It was an all-time week for Rose, and it was the first-time week for Bernard. I love how he <laughs> says it. I'm Bernard. Uh, it's great to see Bernard, and that ending really elevates this episode. I think the the book, this this episode is really strongly bookended. Uh, I think yes, the, the book endings of this episode are, are are dazzling. It has
1: a great cover and a back cover, and then the pages. It's not, they're, fine. Um, they're fine. They're fine. They're fine. They're wrong. They're it's not the fine. best that we've gotten, but they're like very serviceable pages.
0: 100% agreed. Um, so that leaves you with uh, a, an extra MVP point to to give out.
1: I'm gonna give one. I'm gonna hand one off to Al. I'm gonna give our first point to Anna Lucia. Here. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Just because, look, I know that she I know may some not- people are gonna
0: be like, really.
1: She might not have the most delicate handle on the situation, but I love the guff she gives Sawyer. I love and I think you understand a bit of her leadership style when you find out how dire of a situation the Taylor's are in. Look There's not going to be a lot of opportunities to give her MVP points. So I am grasping at these straws right now.
0: All right. LVPs. uh, I've got three to hand out, and I'm just going to do a double shot on Randy right at the top. (laughs) Double barrel right into Randy's chest. Like, you know, just screw Randy. He's the worst bad guy. Any chance to dump on Randy, I'm going to take two on Randy i'm gonna dock one from
1: charlie this is a bad bad look from charlie this is a hole charlie and we're gonna see it a couple more times and i know josh you you were able to substantiate his psychology behind it a bit but i can't take away from the fact that he guilt tripped his best friend on the island to get some peanut butter sure. and some honey yeah. as it
0: were no i'll take a point away from charlie uh, as well. Uh, that'll be the satisfaction of my LVP points this week. One to Charlie, two to Randy. Uh, so that's two to Charlie with you, uh, in, in the mix there. Uh, Charlie's a jerk in this episode. And I think, like, in the end, like, they make it work, but, uh, it's just unpleasant. He's just unpleasant this round.
1: Yep. And as I mentioned before, and in that my effort continual efforts to displace dj quals from the <laughs> mythology of lost yeah. i'm going to give a minus one to johnny his one and only appearance uh in lost and unfortunately it comes with him showing how he's not that great of a friend
0: okay so dj quals is going to be living in the negative zone uh for the rest of this a clerical error uh last week uh saeed and kate are actually tied at the top of the mvp yeah come on board. claire we told you to count uh, Kate and
1: Saeed. Did I say Claire and Saeed? No, you said clerical. So oh, just one with Claire.
0: oh, I got it. Okay. Well, I just know that I often sometimes misspeak and say Claire instead of Kate. Uh, so they both, for totals, Kate and Saeed both have 11 each. But for the season two rankings, uh, the leaderboard is still currently Kate with three, Saeed with two. Bunch of people with one, including Jack, Locke, Echo, Hurley now back with one. Rose and Bernard have one. Uh, and then at the very bottom of the list, uh, the fiancé douche is still anchoring it with negative three. Uh, in terms of the main characters, uh, Charlie is at negative two, uh, which feels notable to me. Um, let's talk about 4.2 stars. Uh, I don't think it's a surprise that Everybody Hates Hugo is going to be uh, better than Adrift, drift. And worse than everything else so far, we've only got four episodes to talk about so far. So a very comfortable third place for Everybody Hates Hugo. The question is, where is it for us? Um, and as I said, I think that the the ending and to to add into that, I would also say the beginning of this episode are enough to elevate an episode that I would otherwise say is like a, a solid like, 2.8, 2.9, I'm going okay. to push into the early threes. So I'm going to give it a 3.2. I think that uh, it's, a, it's a fairly slight episode of Lost, but it's fun. It's diverting. Bad Lost is better than no Lost. Even fire plus water, I would say. Um, and this is not bad Lost. It's just fine Lost. Um, a fine episode gets a 3.2 from me.
1: Yeah, I'll co-sign that. I'll give the exact same rating. And just to add on to that. Yeah, and there are even fun moments in a fine episode of Lost. I would say that I think our scores reflect that, you know, the average episode of Season 2 is probably slightly below the average episode of Season 1, where maybe there was just more character stuff going on there. We did get some character stuff. I feel like now knowing the end of Hurley's arc, his arc in this episode is much more substantial and made me enjoy it more from that perspective. But I think... It, it felt to me like the story could have been a little stronger now knowing like the big event that really prompted Hurley's attitude. But that being said, i become increasingly sympathetic in him. The Rose Bernard stuff is fun. The Taylor stuff, they're doing really interesting stuff with. And Great Beginning... Awesome ending. So it ends up with a 3.2 at the end of it all.
0: All right. So uh, that's going to give it a 3.2 for me, a 3.2 for Mike. The audience average on this right now is a 3.4. Uh, so slightly higher than you and I, but not by much. Um, all of that is going to net out to a 3.28 for Everybody Hates Hugo. Third best episode of season two of Lost. Will it be challenged next week by the arrival of Ooh? and found uh the gin and sun flashback episode that will drop in your podcast feeds on february 28th curious yeah. curious to to revisit this one there's some cool moments in this one there's the the, the you see all the feet Quentin Tarantino's favorite episode of Lost.
1: Yeah, Rex Ryan really ranked this one at the top of his. Yeah, this is the one where, you know, we, we first see another glimpse of, quote unquote, the others. because uh, This is when Michael tries to break away from the pack. This is another big Quan flashback where we start to, you know, Jin struggles a bit with one of his first jobs and Sun has her own little story to it. But on the island, maybe a bit less uh, chock full of material than we're used to but I'm sure we're going to pick out some fun nuggets from it much like we'll pick out a wedding ring from the sand all right get your feedback in by the morning of February 25th uh you can send that our way down the hatch at
0: post show recaps Dot com. You can also tweet at us at Recaps. I'm at Round Howard. Mike is at a Mike Bloom type. Subscribe to the podcast if you have not done so already. Uh, com slash down the hatch for our Apple feed. But you can find us anywhere you can find your podcast. Your ratings and reviews deeply appreciated, of course, as we're chugging along here through season two of lost mike bloom what's going on what do you got what's happening outside of lost for you lots of i lots of violence lots of violent
1: shenanigans i am writing about survivor up the wazoo i will not plug everything i'm doing but just check out parade.com slash tag slash survivor i have a myriad of interviews and articles that i hope you all check out from the post show recaps variety jean-luc picard spoiler alert finally in space and it produced in my opinion my favorite episode of star trek picard so far uh, Jessica Lee and I got into it all in the most recent episode, and we're going to keep on keeping on, Josh. We are almost halfway through the Star Trek Picard season, and it's been a wild ride. Uh, yeah, I'm behind. I really got to catch
0: up on it. I loved the first episode and I just haven't been able to move on uh, past that. Uh, but looking forward to catching up on that elsewhere on Post Show Recaps. Curb Your Enthusiasm podcast is continuing with myself, Rob and Akiva Winokur uh, having a really, really fun time on that. Uh, the Wiggle Room is back Woo! for one final season of Weekly Survivor coverage uh, I have ambitions to do some new version of the wiggle room beyond survivor I just don't know exactly what that looks like uh, anyone's got ideas I'm open mm. uh, hit me what up. What about the, uh, the wiggle
1: hatch where the wiggle hatch. you have to talk you have to like press a button in, in a podcast form every 108 minutes uh,
0: that sounds awful uh, but we're doing the final wand off right now uh, we're in the we're in the throes of that uh, and having a really really fun time with that podcast a uh, really fun way uh, to, to say goodbye of the wand off and uh or at least say say goodbye for now yeah, I'm you're sure gonna say goodbye and then a
1: um, bottle's gonna wash up of all the songs that have been and you're like oh my god i gotta bury this so nobody finds out about them
0: versions of the wand off will exist for the rest of time i am sure uh but that podcast is happening over at rhap and plenty of writing going on over at thr my home base so check out at round howard for all of that i will post links to to everything that i've got going on we'll be back next week with another episode of down the hatch until then everybody take care have a cluckety -cluck cluck day goodbye Four eight, 20, this did 15, 16, 15, 16, 40, sixty point